You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Hello there. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. It is Andrew Don back again, but we have a special guest here with us from Octo Radio here to talk Ahsoka with us. Finally, Alden Diaz is here. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Thank you for the invitation, my friends. I'm very excited to talk about this, especially because I haven't technically talked about it anywhere on air. Um, and I am extremely excited to dive into it now that it's kind of marinated for a bit. I like that you, yep. we didn't rush this or jump on it immediately. Exactly. The fact that, like, it's kind of been a nice blessing that we've had. Well, it's good. Next week is probably going to be like two months since we've uh, the show has finished airing. Wow. So we've had time to think about the show and, and, and see how we feel about certain things and look back on things nicely. But, of course... Uh, we weren't able to talk about it during the SAG Astro Strikes, so now we can finally talk about Ahsoka. It's great. Uh, if you missed our last episode, we uh, delved back into the world of visual Star Wars media once more. Uh, we went back and looked at uh, Clone Wars 2003 uh, for its 20th anniversary, so that dropped earlier this week at the time of recording. Uh, check that out. We had fun going back uh, and, and looking at uh, that show and uh, just how cool it is. Uh, 51 times the phrase, it's so cool, was uttered by either myself or Don. I'm so uh, glad. I'm so glad I said that. I did I'm the so... counter. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I was like, oh, God damn it. Like, editing that back, I was like, every time we'd say it, I'd be like, again, like, come on, you can say other stuff, man. Like, come on. But <laughs> it's just so cool, so, though. Sometimes like, that's like... all you can say when talking about. Grievous and Shock T and Kiati Mundy going at it. Um, it's how I felt as a kid, Andrew. I was just I was just regressing back to my childhood self watching that show in 03, man. Yeah. Sure. It was it was something. But we're here. We're gonna talk about the entirety of the season. We're gonna talk about what we liked, uh, the big themes of the season, maybe some things that didn't really work for us as well. Um, the transition between animation to live action, whether we think that was a good choice or or you know the, the the right choice you can say, uh, and just what we think of the show overall, and what we think it's going to lead to going forward. But before that, it's time to return to a segment we've been doing the last couple weeks, which is our Jedi archives. Possible. Perhaps the archives are incomplete. So uh, this was an interesting week. Uh, Don and I were the only two ones that had uh, nominations this past. That's week. right. Uh, and let's just say. By default, the streak of us losing to the guests in the poll has come to an end. <laughs> nomination, or I should say newest inductee to the Jedi Archives, is Mr. Kihi Kwan. Of course. Here, here. There it is. Hell the yeah. man says he wants in Star Wars, you put him in Star Wars. That's just how Poor it works. He never had a yeah. chance, man. I mean, I and this, him, but... honestly, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal this to you and the listeners and viewers. Hello. I voted for Key this morning. I had to be right before this poll closed. And I will say, never in my life did I think I would vote against Fordo. Because Fordo, <laughs> to me, is a, a god-tier Glupshoto. Fordo is one of the pillars. Like, 
I'm shocked that you managed to pick someone that could beat Fordo so handedly. But that's the power yes. of Kiki Kwan. That's the power of Kiki Kwan. Indeed. And I, I almost went with the uh, the Ithorian Jedi that helps out Shakti on Coruscant, like defend against Grievous. Oh, my boy, Roran Karab. Exactly. Yep. The greatest. <laughs> I have a. Now I said God tier. This is like. <laughs> titan cosmic tier like mm -hmm. i have a maquette statue of that guy oh <laughs> god tier like character yeah <laughs> i was like i need i need some merch of this guy immediately and then i oh. went on Wikipedia and i saw that he was recanonized in one of the lightsaber reference books so yeah, it's not too late lucasfilm put fordo in the se in season yeah. three of the bad batch you know we'd, we'd all love to see it what that dude idea. that dude deserves to be on rex's clone resistance come on it would be oh, great man what a brilliant give idea. us that please um Love it. however this week uh because it's ahsoka it's going to be a little bit different uh because i am adding a special inductee to the archives before we do our usual votes and that is balen skull himself ray stevenson uh just for and i'm sure we'll talk about it a whole bunch this episode oh the we will absolutely incredible work that he did in this series uh the the tragic uh, news of his passing a few months before the show even got to air but you just saw how passionate he was for the role at celebration and he i think it's the best work of his career he was incredible he was quite possibly my favorite part of the entire series and he the the character worked for me so well so uh that's just the the littlest thing we can do to pay tribute to ray stevenson is to uh adam do our stupid little uh, Jedi archives where we nominate shit posting stuff all the time uh, and Indeed. sometimes do serious votes. Um, I'm going to go first this week. I'm going to change things up uh, because gentlemen, it is uh, it's, it, I guess you can technically call it the holiday season. Now we're, we're getting uh, Mariah is invading the, uh, the airway <laughs> wallet. My wallet is speak. crying. My wallet is dying. Uh, so I'm going to dip my toe into the holiday star Wars spirit and nominate the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, uh, because this has become a instant tradition for me during the Christmas season. Uh, it came out 2020. COVID was hitting us bad. Uh, it, it came out at the perfect time. I was expecting like fun, like some like just dumb fun you can throw on, and I was just so surprised on how much I love that special. It mm. is so charming. It is so great. The fact that that's been our like one little way to still hold on to these sequel characters is these Lego specials, which it's not too late, Lucasfilm. You still have time to put out one before the year ends. Uh, but uh, it, these became my new favorite traditions every year was these Lego specials. And the holiday one is just so great. You have the great scenes like uh, the three Obi-Wan saying hello there uh, at the Brilliant. beginning, which was uh, the pod <laughs> intro when we first whilst, started this. Whilst Facing a a a legless mole, literally. Yep. And then just all the stuff with Ray. It was our first glimpse of uh, Jedi Finn, uh, and I just yeah. picked up the um, Holiday Millennium Falcon Lego diorama, which I'm going to start Ooh. building probably this weekend. Awesome. Uh, and of course, you should Twitch stream that man. I'm thinking about it, uh, and 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 pull with the tip yet. Like, there's just so much great stuff in this. Yeah. Uh, that and also more Kelly Marie Tran yeah, as well. Kelly Marie like, Tran. Get... Getting to see her come back as Rose, just like you know, getting some more like work for Star Wars. It's great. We love to see more of Kelly Marie. I, I love, I love this so much. It's so special. Um, and that's so that's my nomination. Uh, Beautiful. 
Alden, you you warned me ahead of time that this yeah. was hinged. What are, what are we- Can I throw out an honorable mention that I almost chose? Yes, of course. I saw a tweet today that was this image. Sorry for the phone quality on camera. This image of Clone Wars clone cache. Sorry for the podcast listeners. It is mm-hmm. a piece of folded up paper that says Star Wars the Clone Wars $5 in clone cash with an image of Rex. It looks like official merchandise. I don't know if maybe it was a coupon or something or maybe a Toys R Us promotion. And this image is used in a Snapchat post that says y'all think strippers take clone cash. So that image, that post was almost my selection. So then I started thinking about what are some like, you know, that Twitter account that's like, uh, like crazy moments in Star Wars history or whatever, but it so, also yeah. includes like f- creators, fans, whatever. I'm nominating the Melody Hobson, uh, married to the great George Lucas. I'm nominating the Melody Hobson interview where we, she describes what it was like to live with George Lucas during the pandemic. <laughs> I've this, never seen this. I gotta watch. No, this. me neither. I, I, this is my first time hearing of it. I'm going to DM it to you guys. Uh, I I'll DM it to you. To you DM it to Dom. Well, it's, okay. it's it's in print. So I got. Oh, sorry. I sent her. I sent her Wikipedia screenshot because I wanted to make it clear for those of you that don't know. Melody Hobson, married to George Lucas, friends with Oprah Winfrey. She's the former chairwoman of DreamWorks Animation. Uh, she was the chair of the board of directors of Starbucks. Like this is a co CEO of investing firms. Like this is a powerful woman, and she's married to George Lucas for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And they asked, "What's one piece of advice that's guide that's guided you?" This is at the height of quarantine lockdown. She says, "I would say during this period, there's actually one piece of advice. The joke I make with people is I married Yoda's dad. My husband is very, very wise, and in the early days of being inside, I was a little whiny, and he looked at me one day and he said." You know, Melody, Europeans lived in bunkers for five years during World War II. And that just hit me super hard. He was like, just think about that. Bombing all around you. Rations. Five years. It's been a week and you have everything you need. (laughs) And it goes on and on. But having a man like George Lucas just shame you and cut you down and call you privileged is is my nomination. That's beautiful. I think another one that we need, someone needs to nominate uh, at some point is there's I, there's this documentary about like rocks or something that George Lucas just shows up in the background of it as just like a passerby on the street. As you just give me an idea. <laughs> I know what I'm nominating next time, Andrew. I, I've got it. Perfect. I've got it down. Yeah. All right, but uh, I'm still Dan, thinking about we... the clone patch as well. Oh, like, that's perfect. Do you think that's what they pay? They used to pay at 79s. Yeah, you take, you uh, take the clone, clone, clone bar. Yeah. That kind of makes a lot of sense. Figures that they just get stuck with their own currency. Poor clones. Yeah. So for my nomination for this week's uh, edition of the Jedi Archives, I've got it here with me. I've got it just oh, before boy. the stream started. I have. Uh, I'm going to nominate the 2008 uh, Clone Trooper voice changer helmet because this thing it's pretty damn cool. Because we've obviously had all the Black Series. Uh, very accurate um, uh, voice changer helmet. Well, just regular helmets, and they're yeah. all very cool. But you know, this is quite special. We got I got it um, uh, as a present like years ago, and I just remember like running around with my brother and just like enacting all of the kind of uh, Clone Wars stuff. It was like right at the beginning of Clone Wars when it, we were still kind of 
feeling the show out. So this mm-hmm. this this holds a special memory for me as a uh, as a piece of Star Wars merch, and also in terms of design, which I'll, we'll talk about later when we get to that episode. Uh, I actually kind of feel like the production might have taken a few cues from uh, this lo- overall look. It's, of it's the interesting. Trooper. Yeah, you know what I love about that design that of that helmet design is that. It, it has to it because like you look at the the visors obviously thicker that way a child's you know eyes are not obscured like but those things have sort of the like more you know make it wider make it thicker make it more bulbous rounded like feel that the rebels aesthetic has that to me looks like what a phase one would look like if it was in rebels i agree yeah that's a good point yeah for sure definitely because the stormtroopers definitely have a more wacky stylized look in rebels mm-hmm. so i think it would work really well if like they ever did an episode back when that show was on where they flashed back to the clone wars era i could right. definitely see it looking something like that don did you when you were reenacting scenes with your brother as kids did you reenact the the one scene from the second battle of geonosis episode where it's like those bugs can't aim and then they just immediately the ship immediately gets <laughs> no that was shot down I- Weirdly, I never uh, recreated that for some reason, but yeah, I wish, uh, kind of wish I we're, had. We're, we're, I, I, think little... three, I think we're three or four arcs away from that in the recap, and I That's cannot good. wait to get back to to, to that uh, to to that uh, arc in the show. So those are our nominations this week. It is a a barn burner. Uh, we've got the Lego Holiday Special. We've got the how are you going to are you going to voice changer. <laughs> And we have how is this gonna fit in the Twitter? Gonna, I was thinking like I was gonna say like COVID George interview. Lucas, George yeah. Lucas COVID quotes. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's, that's the most concise way to put it. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, we'll have like a an American version of the of the baked potato song the uh matt the british comedian matt lucas did during during lockdown remember mm. not to touch your face all of that kind of stuff yeah, oh, boy. yeah. you sounded uh, just like him right there <laughs> that's really good. i took that as a compliment i've been working my impressions for sure so yeah uh we will have the twitter pull up shortly after this episode drops and you can uh choose with us who uh who gets to join the archives this week so now on to ahsoka as a series and i don't even again i don't even know where to begin when we we would get to the show uh it's i will admit that and i talked about this when we did our year in review episode for 2022 uh hold on a second we have (gasps) a cameo we have a cameo by mr connor joining us the one night night is here. Spot, so, um, okay. So, because for my nomination, I'd go with. Uh, I'm just gonna go with Keeve. Again? Yeah, just put Keeve in there again. There we go. <laughs> this man is so committed to. The, what about this, Philly's this, legend Bryce Harper? Can we do non-Star Wars stuff? No, <laughs> it has to be tangentially related, right? Well, I mean, we're not we're not at the point yet where we can nominate non Star Wars stuff. We haven't gone off fully gone off the rails yet. Who's the Who's the basketball player that went viral for his prequel takes? He would technically count, I think. Oh, I don't God. even remember. <sighs> oh wait, no, no, no! I'll nominate. Um, oh God, who's the Last of Us actor? That's like I want to play Elzar Man. 
Uh, that will be Gascon? Gabriel Luna. I believe. Gabriel Luna. I'm going to nominate yeah. Gabriel Luna for that because that is just incredibly based. So. That does yeah, sound we, sweet. So the way that my whole timeline were like, ooh, the minute he uh, he said that, like that was very that good. was a very special moment of people just being like, yes, please, Gabriel Luna is Elzar, man. All right, so update to the poll. Uh, we now have a fourth nomination: uh, Gabriel Luna as Elzar, man. So vote <laughs> on the Twitter machine. And yeah, it'll be fun. So again, uh, if you go back in time, you watch our 2022 year in review episode where we recapped our favorite stories of the year and look to what we were going to have in 2023. I talked about how I wasn't so sure if I was that excited for Ahsoka or not. Like, obviously I was looking forward to it. I love Rebels so much, uh, but it was the the transition to live action I was kind of unsure about and I I, I had some issues with how Rosario was playing the character in Mando. Uh, and I was just something about it. I just wasn't, it wasn't fully clicking for me. Then we started seeing footage at celebration and, and we saw more of Shin and Banelin's story. And I was like, man, I'm starting to turn around a little bit. So it was, it was uh, color me shocked just how much I enjoyed this series. I, I posted that this was, not necessarily my favorite, but it's it was the most it, it's the most a Star Wars live action project has made me feel happy and made me feel like pure Star Wars joy since the Force Awakens came out. Mm. And for me, getting that every single week, there was just that charm to it. Yeah, that I look forward to, and I would say a solid 90 percent of the show really, really worked for me and just made me feel a way that star wars it's like the best way star wars can make you feel the the highs of this show definitely encapsulated that for me like i was on cloud nine during some of the episodes and i am so excited to finally talk about them and and, and not be afraid to tweet something out on me and i can just say into the the, the mic, like, oh my god, this show, like, we Anakin is back, and then just the stuff like that. We got an yeah. Asajj Ventress mention. Think Asajj about Ventress. that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Alden, you that armor, yeah. <laughs> so, you you mentioned earlier that you really haven't shared many of your thoughts on air yet. So, give mm -hmm. me, give me the, the brief rundown of uh, what you thought of the show. I mean, this, this is the definition of a high pressure scenario in terms of fan expectation, attachment, you know, investment. I have a, Sabine Wren's final helmet, the helmet that ends up in this show, what tattooed on my arm. When I got it, th this would have sounded like a fever dream. Like mm -hmm. I got that tattoo in late 2018, I believe. Um, and so, to then see this character because she means so much to me. So it was, it yep. was, you know, to She's see a top her five character for me too. Yeah. So. To see her fully realized here in this different medium, because of course, you know, Tia's original Sabine is such a phenomenal performance over those four seasons to transition all of these people that, that get, you know, transitioned over um, from Ahsoka already had been, but new newly from Sabine all the way down to, Hamato Ziono, like the people that that they brought along, the the new characters, like this to me, ended up being one of the richest Star Wars experiences 
Um, you said since TFA, I'd probably say this is the most I've been just like, you know, just can we swear on this show? Yeah. Just had like my shit rocked uh, since, <laughs> since probably TLJ. Kenobi in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Like depending on the like the way the wind blows, I might say Kenobi's my favorite of the live action shows or I might say Ahsoka. But this one scratched such a particular itch, especially for those of us who uh prefer and prioritize the fantasy aspects of star wars this was star wars by way of obviously tolkien but also like never-ending story uh yeah. a little bit willow it, it had something very uh very modern to it of course like there's you know a motorcycle on a uh, you know on a, on a road a highway with a girl with colorful hair and mm-hmm. punk rock is blasting like cool um, that's all. I great. love that moment so. It's much. amazing. Amazing. What oh, an the, have you I've seen the edit where track. they just throw in sabotage, sabotage over that scene? Yes. Yeah, yes. It's like a glove. Perfect. It Perfect. So well, yeah. It's, it's just amazing. Such a great Sabine as well. Yeah, I agree yeah, with everything you said, man, about Sabine. Like, I uh, will get into it more, but like, I just really like uh, how a lot of the characters are translated. There might be one in particular that was particularly happy to see end up on the show we'll get into that sabine really i just loved the way she was translated i felt like they really um they added a lot to her her character she felt like a very natural transition from the sabine that we know from rebels and sabine you know in terms of my experience with the character in rebels she was very much kind of like someone who who was more of a grower on me really because i i went through three seasons kind of putting her on the lower tier of my uh ghost crew rankings and then she just mm-hmm. kind of shot up after uh after trials of the dark saber which is still my favorite episode of rebels it's just how Same incredible here. the storytelling and as you said tia sakar's uh voice acting during that is fantastic mm-hmm. uh and i felt like she's a very tricky character to translate um with all of the kind of like baggage and backstory that she has with like mandalore and like her time with the ghost crew and i i felt like for, for the most part they did a really excellent job that's an excellent funko and i feel like a big part of that is natasha lou bodizo's performance uh 100%. just yeah she has a really good vibe with rosario dawson and like she kind of gets across the kind of steely stubbornness uh and flippant attitude of sabine like you know mm-hmm. like that opening scene with the speeder bike and uh, basically telling those uh, New Republic pilots to shove off was uh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and the thing about that is, and I, you know, for people watching, listening, I don't say this disparagingly at all. It's a compliment. This was, uh, and I, I can't take full credit for the thought, but Alex Backus from Black Series Rebels, um, we were talking about it, and he goes, this is the first time Star Wars has ever been YA. And it's so true. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a really good way of like coding this series. The it, entire it's very YA. Yeah. It's so YA. And and there's, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe only know the term from the way bookstores are organized. And it's, you know, it's always a distinction that's important to make. YA is not for young adult readers. It's fiction about young adults. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's so you could have like, I think Star Wars is a great example. The Star Wars YA books fuck like those books oh, are yeah. so lost good. stars they're... is my favorite book of all time exactly that's why I, there's no lesser so if anybody was like Only oh, a it's... star wars book yeah 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 exactly and until so... i read battle scars that's all i'll say that mm-hmm. that that's now taking the cake that's but... the horniest. yeah that's the horniest but the yeah yeah so like this show's got you know a young woman burned by life 
lonely, feeling abandoned in her apartment with her cat and her hair's dyed and her, her friends are gone. Like th- it's got everything for that particular journey. Cause the, the, the faded mythic young people like Luke, Leia and Ray and Ezra, it, it's, it's a little bit different because they're wrapped up in the mystic orders. They're mass- They're wrapped up in the, the battle against the dark. But this is a woman that we know from having watched her her earliest adventures as a in her late teens, saw the battle and now has just been living a life of I got I got nothing. I have no one. I see Hera maybe sometimes, but my best days are behind me and I'm in my late twenties and it yep. sucks. And and that's a very different arc. And so seeing the way all these women connect, um, and and the way that the X factors like Balin and Shin and you know, the great mothers and people like that sort of disrupt what we know prevented it from feeling. I think worst case scenario would have been the backdoor fifth season of rebels that really should have just been part of rebels. It is continuing those threads, but I think it's, it's not rebel season five. It is something new. Um, they and add there are just people enough. Start here. Cause yes. I feel like, I feel like personally, cause we know, I think it's, it's public now that this was originally supposed to be, a rebel sequel animated series and then it got changed somewhere down the line that live action it is, is i will confirmed or is it i will say without like tipping my hat about like sources or blah, 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 the original people that that reported that I don't know what the fuck they're talking about that's that's never been confirmed um that's all that's all i know is that this that that from, from my understanding it was very much born mostly the way they've said it was born, which was, you know, Dave was working on Mano season one, wanted Ahsoka in that season, and then was like, maybe I push. That's why she gets the two. And then for the most part, the the stuff kind of happened the way you would think. Mm -hmm. Whether or not there was ever talk of it being animated, I can say that I've never heard that from anyone I trust. But the point still is that it's characters we knew and their entire stories were told in animation first, transitioning into live action. 100%, so there was yeah. going to be that hump where it, it's different. I, I have to assume that if there was plans for this to be animated first, that Balin, Shin, that whole plot, I don't think would have been in Rebels Season 5. I think yeah, that, that originated with the story Dave wanted to tell with Ahsoka here. Uh, and yeah. I... I I have to say that it really, like you said, it put it over the hump of not just being Rebel season five. It, it being yeah. its own story that pulls from mm-hmm. Rebels and it pulls exactly, from- and it greatly Rebels. benefits yeah. from where it falls because whenever we get Hera's storyline and those appearances from Mothma and those appearances from from Carson Teva, it becomes the it gives you the overarching feeling like when, when Teva stands up and says, what about the conflict on Mandalore? And that's when you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, this, ah. is, this that just happened. Like mm-hmm. you are able to look at this less like the rebels season that happened way later. And more like, this is all part of the post return of the Jedi arc. Yeah. And it's why it, I'm kind of shocked that I'm um, memes. Maybe, maybe it was a good thing, but I'm shocked that, Din Djarin didn't show up in this because yeah, in everything we've surprised. had with the Mandoverse, he's shown up in the other shows and mm-hmm. he's been... Like, and the end of season three is the back door for him to do anything. 
Yep. So like I it's thought the, he's working with Carson now. So oh, like, it did oh, feel natural. Show up in, in one episode. I honestly, but I, he did I honestly appreciate up. that. I think yeah. it's a. I I actually think it's a strength really of the show as well that like because uh, I kind of so. like rewatched some clips like before we before we obviously got on this and I feel like one of the benefits of the show is that despite obviously the vast wealth of lore it is drawing from you know rebels uh clone wars the prequels the originals you know even alluding to the sequels and obviously the accumulation of legends stuff no. that gets sort no, of Don, don't you remember here. they're trying to they're retconning it oh, yeah, they're totally retconning they went back to the world between worlds andrew that means the sequels are going bye-bye they're, they're gone all that illusion about like you know about like a growing power and the imperial remnants there's no nothing to do with the sequels at all the greatest example of that is still the he's retconning the sequels shows a scene of r2 leading a construction crew to build luke's school yeah like it's like, oh if he picks up yoda's saber the sequels are gone it's like are you sure about that <laughs> it's insane dude it's it is insanity yeah i just but, uh I think you can honestly, aside from all of the stuff it's drawing from, you can jump in with Ahsoka without needing to watch The Mandalorian. I, I think maybe with the animated shows, you would benefit certainly more from watching. Like, you know, so much of the stuff that hit for me was hit in large part because I had grown up watching Clone Wars and seeing Rebels recently. And there were, I obviously got a lot of, uh, of a kick out of that. But I think Ahsoka does a good job of like starting off with like a really with a might i say a really nifty uh title crawl oh how we i have missed a title crawl oh, in star yeah. wars yeah, uh, all of them it hits the red the red the red font it's great but it hits the ground running it gives you the information it needs to it covers all of basically all the information you need about like thrawn the the remnants uh the new republic and what ahsoka has done and where she's going like you don't even need to ask oh why is ahsoka on the planet because the title crawl tells you where she is and it tells yeah. you about um uh morgan elsbeth who might I say, uh, I have grown to like even more as the show went on. She's felt like such Absolutely. a a bit player uh, in Mando season two. It was very impressive, obviously, and you know, gotta love Diana Lee in Soto getting to come in and just showcase her martial arts prowess with not one but two excellent fights uh, yeah. in this show. Like, just fantastic. Um, but I, I love that they brought her back. I love that they gave her this night sister back. They confirmed her night sister background, and she got to do night sister magic and all this kind of cool stuff. And she's pivotal to the plot. It turns out, which, if anything, makes the Jedi episode of the Mandalorian so much stronger as a result because of 100%. where you now see this is heading. Yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, Star Wars is is that. You know, it's become a meme that I say it all the time, but it is that tapestry in the sense that it works. Forward we got the tapestry mentioned, Andrew. He said it. Ching. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Whoever had it on their bingo cards, drink. Um, except you, Eli. You're underage. Uh, the, <laughs> the the greatness of Star Wars always affecting everything that comes forward and everything that comes backward. That's what Kathy said at the studio showcase in London. It was that idea of George always uh, always wanted us to think about both forwards and back. That's why the eras are being established that way. But even on the the micro level, like you're saying about, let's look back at the Jedi. Everything that was said about Ahsoka's uh, stoic nature and her coldness and her especially her hesitancy to step into a mentor role for Grogu, yeah, because she just had an apprentice mm -hmm. and it didn't go well. I think like, it retroactively like makes me like her performances more in mm -hmm. Mando season two and book of Boba Fett, because we get context of why the, cause I was like, 
it feels so different than the Ahsoka we know. And yeah. I feel disconnected to the character because of that. This show, you get that reasoning. And once we hit episode four or five, it's like she's Rebels Ahsoka to me. When she and, changes yeah, into, into the white that robes, outfit. Oh, my God. Dude, there's a moment. I think it's weird about this. Like, the, I mean, Hasbro. Like, Hasbro let, give me the Black Series right fucking now. Also, can I just say, am I the world's number one sucker? Because I got the Hot Toys of her in gray. Uh-huh. And I know those bitches. They already announced it, didn't they? Yeah, they, I, think I think they, they did. just did earlier <laughs> so, this so, week. So yeah. I'm a sucker. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, but... Yeah, I, I I tweeted the Kiners about this moment when she gets saved uh, by the New Republic and Hera and pulled out of the water before she puts on the Ahsoka the White Outfit. She just kind of has like that partial toga and her underclothes and like and no headband, which was weird. Oh, uh, yeah, it was weird. it was it was like seeing <laughs> it was like seeing like someone who wears a wig without their wig. I was it's, like, uh, oh, it's, oh, it's the brief moment in the. Uh... Rachel Hardeen arc in the Clone Wars where Obi-Wan is clean shaven and bald. Yeah. Yes. It's it was that. just it's like that's not you. I it was so weird. Yeah. But but there's a light like piano part that plays when she's waking up that truly signals the rebirth. And that's so much of what the show is. Like her lightness in the incredible purgle scene. Uh, when she gets back in the cockpit and Hu Yang's like, so do they're they gonna take us directly where we need to go? And she goes, I don't know. And, and he's he like, just what? slowly turns and looks at her like, <laughs> and he's like, she goes, he's like, no idea. And yeah. and the and and for me it was, uh, but we'll see where it goes. Like that was like this the the weight that came off of her is incredible, and it, yeah. it really we're gonna rewatch this whole saga differently. I hate that they committed to calling it Mandoverse when the Mandalorian saga was right there, um, but yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. I, you I, brought up, oh, go ahead, Don. No, oh, I'll no. Yeah. Here. Well, I was just going to say about like the whole Ahsoka the White thing is that, and you mentioned the Kiners as well. I, no, I have to talk about the Kiners because if I could single out one of the things that I love the most about this series, it is the Kiners and what they have, what they, they upped say. their game for this show. The score is like phenomenal. It's absolutely fantastic because like, you know, I was a bit worried that Kevin Kiner and, and his brothers would like maybe suffer in comparison to what Ludwig Göransson has done. Cause he obviously brought such a new sound to star Wars with his Mandalorian theme, but no, the Kiners weren't, weren't uh, going to settle for second place. They are like, no, we're rising to this level. We're going to like, we're going to ha- bring all of our tools. We've got the synth in there. We've got like some of this like beautiful music. Like I think one of my fa- my favorite track uh, overall, aside from the excellent theme that plays at the end of the credits is yep. that moment. The moment when uh, Ahsoka is in the world between worlds and she falls, she falls off the platform after Anakin slashed the ground out from under her. And then there's the fog. And then you just get the gradual build to like that realization that she is she is in a memory of the Clone Wars, and you just have this kind of like this both this awesome level of synth, uh, you know, going back to like yeah. the kind of like season one days of the Clone Wars, but also like this almost kind of like um, Andrew Newman esque uh, music that you'd hear in something like Passengers or Finding Nemo or Skyfall, even like this just this kind of serene beauty of like. In the mystery of what's happening to Ahsoka, because she is, she and us, the audience, are going through something that no character has ever experienced in Star Wars, getting thrust through their literal memories. I mean, the closest we've come to that, I think, is is Rey 
in The Force Awakens, and that was going through someone else's memories. This is such a different experience for Ahsoka, it and the kind of captured it beautifully. Star Wars is like looking through the pensive moments in 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's almost it's appropriately seasonally. It's almost Star Wars Christmas story. Yeah. Like in, in in or Christmas carol rather. Um Christmas story would be very different. Christmas. <laughs> got her tongue stuck <laughs> to the flag. Yeah. <laughs> so Sabine was packing the fucking yeah. gun and the, the, gun. The, the, the shot her in the eye. Uh, but yeah, it, it it was such a again the the fantasy of it that the Kiners do so well um that that just blended together uh everything i think that they needed to deliver they absolutely did the way that the those moments are also enhanced by i think some of the best uses of the volume i think that gets better every time it's used um this was sort of like tony gilroy said we have yet to get the blended show that is that uses the volume and goes on location like andor did you have to pick your lane this is getting pretty close um, where there's obvious set work, there's obvious location work. There's it. It definitely just felt right, and that's not a to lot say of that Iridia it felt like it was perfect, but... on location. Was it all volume? No, it, that, that's what I mean. Is that like you yeah, know yeah. you get like you'll get a volume episode mm-hmm. like the like Shadow Warrior very obviously yeah. was, um, but then it flows straight into Peridia, and it all feels super consistent. Feels the same. That was a that was a mild criticism I had of like Mano season two, where it's so volume heavy throughout, and then randomly we're in California for the tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 or even Kenobi's kind of yeah, guilty. Kenobi Mapuzo is just a random yeah. desert. Yeah, in California Joshua Tree or whatever out there. Mm-hmm. Like, but but this <laughs> really was like that's a, that's a different place, and and you know the castle and the the creatures and the no tea and just everything about it felt distant no warm the no tea are yeah. a fucking all-time species yeah, those little guys man they felt like such a dave filoni uh creation like from like early clone wars like just the little the almost kind of miyazaki-esque design of like these little dudes in there like in their shells with their, their like their portable homes and all that kind of stuff and the, I love that they one of them had the little slingshot. Like Ezra was just teaching them tricks of like how to survive. Just just brilliant, man. Yeah. Peridia also great location yeah. as well. Like I feel like I it, was... did, it feels different. I feel like there was some uh there was definitely some Lord of the Rings influence in there. Was I the only one who kind of got that like with the kind of like uh Minas Tirith esque? hundred percent. It was very yeah, like, Minas tower. Tirith meets like uh, is it Orthanc at Isengard? Like yes, Orthanc. The, yes, it, that just, last shot yeah. at the end of Balin staring off with the Mortis statues is literally straight out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that was the, incredible. Uh, like I gasped. I didn't think they were going to go there, and I'm now I'm just like, yep. what? What have they got planned Again, with the Mortis that's, gods? That's that's the one thing I'm like, where are we going with this? Because I I think you got to continue it in some way. Uh, but yeah. continuing off with Peridia. Uh, I was very worried, admittedly, when they were all oh, we're going to a whole new galaxy. I'm like, yeah. what are we doing here? Like, I was like, my mind went from anywhere to like, it's gonna feel so weird to like, oh, now we're in, we're going to Earth, and I was like, they wouldn't do that, but would they? And I like got really scared. Earth. I was like that they were gonna do something weird as shit, and like maybe be like, oh no. But like I yeah. really like what they did where it felt it still felt 100 percent like Star Wars, but it felt 
different enough to, and it felt so secluded and its yeah. own world. And I loved everything they did with it. I thought it looked great. Like we said, the Nodi were great. I loved the, the design of the, the bandit characters that Shin ends up leading at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, just the night sisters relics and the great mothers being there and, and, and giving more lore to that, the Mortis gods showing that, oh, the Night Sisters, maybe they originated on Peridia. And it, there's just so many things that this show added lore wise. And I'm a big lore guy with my science fiction and with my Star Wars. So I was, I was eating that shit up like it was dinner. Like I was so thrilled with what we got with the Peridia stuff. Jumping back Definitely. real quick to something Alden mentioned earlier about how the show stands on its own. I think maybe its biggest strength, or at least one of its biggest strengths, is the fact that I don't think, like, watching Rebels obviously would help with understanding the show. But I think this show stands on its own enough to where they structure it in a way where you don't need to watch Rebels in order to understand and get what's going on. They do a great job at kind of soft reintroducing you to these characters if you've never seen the show before like okay, here's sabine here's hera here's everything you need to know real quick and just having those little moments like oh yeah your master uh kane and jerris he was a jedi like little moments like that to where the casuals that haven't seen the animated shows get a little bit more in, uh, understanding of who these characters are who who Jason Sandula's father is? Why is he not green with Leku like like Hera is? Dude, my mom was asking me about that, and I'm like, I don't understand the biology of Star Wars. <laughs> it's a very valid question to ask. Um, they went through the shows, and so like my mom would be like, call me, and I'm like, oh god, it's probably something important. And it's like, no, they're just asking me like Obi Wan questions or Ahsoka questions or what have you. And so, like, one of the questions, she was like, yeah, uh, we have some Ahsoka questions. I'm like, okay. And uh, she's like, okay, so is that her kid? And I'm like, yep, that's Hera's kid. And like, well, why is he, like, why doesn't he have the, the thingies? And I'm like, I, I don't understand. I don't know, Mom. He's got green hair. That's enough. Yeah, I, guess enough. I, I just don't understand. The, no one understands biology. Speaking of he's Jason. He's got the little pauldron as well. Yeah. Uh, he, was I the only he, one who teared up a little when he, when he, he said he wanted to be a Jedi? Oh, that got me. Yeah. Big, yeah. big glow up for Jason Sandula. Cause I, I think as, as well loved is and beloved as, as rebels is Jason before this show was just like a meme. Logo, he shows yeah. up in, yeah. He shows up at the one scene. He looks real goofy, kind of out of place with the bright green hair. Yeah. And then he shows up here and I thought he was wonderful in the show. He, Look, yeah. here's, here's my thing. Great. Here's my thing with the translations to live action visually. Um, there were there were little hiccups like you know Ahsoka Montral's gate, uh, which has been corrected beautifully, I think. And yeah, they know, look the, great in this. The moving prop that they have now, where it, it you, could, you could tell there's like some like an organic quality, looks great. Jason, great. Hera got some criticism, but not from me. I think she looked great. Um, we're not gonna Same. go down that road uh memesters out there um <laughs> but but uh after i will say i no longer worry about like fo- the works of feloni and corbett and company's characters jumping over uh after zeb and mando 3 and after that i feel like we we've reached the zenith like 
the fact that this man knew he had a show coming up where he was going to translate all the surviving ghost crew members uh, and decided that he was going to do Zeb first in a different show is mm-hmm. such a flex. Like Zeb, Zeb is, Zeb's scene. not even here. And Zeb's not in this yeah. show. So yeah. it's like, like Zeb, whole- Zeb showing up in Mando 3 was, it felt like Dave being like, ah, don't worry, they're all going to look good. Don't worry, you're yeah. all gonna look good. Like, my own, my only here's Zeb as an early Christmas about yeah. like any of them is I thought Hera and Ezra's eyes were a bit too bright. That's my only complaint. Yeah, especially his when you're up close. When when mm-hmm. when he's at a, a wide shot, doesn't matter. But yeah, but there are some shots, and God damn, What's, I love his new costume oh, and everything so about good. it. Everything Speaking about him of Ezra, yeah, like. Dude, um, he even tweets like Ezra. Yeah, every single it's, like, it is, it's truly it scary just how much he is in, he has embodied that character. And just like there was such a joy watching him, uh, just like so, like so easily slip into that role. Like, no, if like I obviously he's he, I can tell he studied Taylor Gray's performance like in, in Rebels because he embodies it so well without it just feeling like an impression. He's just, he just is Ezra. Like, like, you know, obviously there's all the, we've seen it on Twitter as well, but like the bit where he just goes, oh, d- don't you want to take us as prisoners, as prisoners? Like that's such an Ezra thing. Like he does, that's great. he does all the little mannerisms, whether it's like, you know, d- d- impersonating stormtroopers on the comms, the flippant attitude, you know, like, j- like it's brilliant. The thing I love about Ezra, not the most that I love about Ezra, but one of the top, one of my top things I love is just his introduction. Because like, I remember all that we were talking before the show. I was like, oh, you know, I wonder if how they're going to introduce him. And I remember you, it was either you or someone else was like, oh, it'd be really cool if they introduced him. Like, you know, comes out wielding the green saber, just you know, you know, just helping out Sabine and and company and just some battle he just comes out like basically Gandalf at Minas Tirith almost. Yeah, like if it was some sort of I think I think I sent a voice message to you guys where I'm like, what if it was like they're lost and then like he shows up almost like like Strider or shows up sort of like Arwen like in in like he knows the way like I'll take you to to the house of Elrond like some some like whoa he fucking he know he's been He's like a ranger now. Nope. <laughs> Buddy was leaned up against the wall. Table Ezra. Ready yeah, to crack just a joke. like that. Just like chilling. <laughs> you know, like just, What's up, Dad? Yeah. Like pretty much. <laughs> but, but the beauty too, though, behind like, yes, it's silly. Yes, it's goofy. They crack jokes. They hug. And he doesn't do anything like super epic uh, because Star Wars is not about that. But immediately, like when Sabine says, you know, you found your own little crew of rebels out here. Like the fact that they have the symbol because of him. And it's even on their little, on their moving pods. You know, you can see them draw. Like, the fact that Ezra Bridger, we've seen, it, like, makes me, like, emotional. Like, like, yeah. like Yoda and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, other people have had to go into hiding and live the life of exile. And it has brutalized them. And it has threatened to take away their joy. And they've had to face their fucking souls like Kenobi. It yeah. takes him that entire show to find it again. I love that Ezra is the exception where he brought his joy elsewhere. And it, oh yeah. And he didn't and because Thrawn has intel on where he kind of might be like at least a direction, that means that he's also been hunted for like a decade and yeah. has still maintained himself. Yeah, with with no lightsaber either. Oh, like, yeah. no, this scene at the force is my my ally is immediately gets a rifle. Yeah, like 2 minutes later. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's so Ezra though. Like just to make that declaration, that kind of so somewhat arrogant declaration, and immediately oh, get humbled. <laughs> we can take us as prisoners. Yeah. Like force two is my thing. Immediately yeah. gets like face planted into the dirt by that uh, said. Shin. Him blocking Shin's saber with the force is one of the hardest badass in all of Star Wars. Absolutely. But again, again, we talked about just how well Ezra translates. Happened, um, a few times. I know since Rise of Skywalker, that's sort of like him blocking, person blocking the saber. I think it's happened with him. I think Cal does it in Survivor. He does yeah, it on Dagon, doesn't he? Vader, Vader, I think, does it with Reva. Obi-Wan does it to Vader as well. No, Vader does it to Obi-Wan's blade, and then Obi-Wan does the badass, like, saber spin mm -hmm. and just, like, slams the sabers into the ground. Oh, I love that fight. And so it much. also, you could argue that it originated in the uh, Teal Shan Old Republic CG shorts, because that one, it goes straight for the stab, and she, like, yeah. it's, like, right on right on her hand, and she's, like, managing <sighs> to keep it back. Those I love that move. Slap. Yeah. I'm a sucker for it. I'm a sucker for that. Look, People got really on the show's ass for the lack of camera moves in when they're storming the castle. Like they're all kind of just standing in their spot. Like it, it kind of looks like maybe they weren't the same volume take and they did put all three together. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care. It was. <laughs> it, lo it looked really awesome. Like seeing it them was all awesome. together. Like, seeing it white, was great. green, blue, yeah. like. Rainbow <laughs> coalition of lightsabers. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of lightsabers, Ezra's Ezra building a lightsaber with Huyang is is the scene I didn't know I needed. Like just Incredible. like the whole exchange. Just so like stop everything in here is organized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Disorganized. And what I love about that I is like a there's a yes, that's the line. There's a cool parallel that happens like Balin talks to Shin about what he refers to as the Boken Jedi. People that Ooh, came up. I love that term as well. It's love great. it. People that came up after the fall. They came out in the wild, in hiding, and were raised up kind of guerrilla style. I love that. He says, I'm training you to be more. And he looks yeah. down on sort of, he wants, he wants his distinctions to be, his distinctions are fueled by his rage. His distinctions are yeah. fueled by his more so than rage, his disappointment. Yeah. Whereas, Ezra and Huyang, uh, because the kids refer to him as Master Huyang. He may not be a Jedi, but like he's an integral part of the order every generation. You've seen every version, right? And when Ezra says, What does he say to him? Like, he's like, I have a system, and he's like, Your system is like, Yeah, he's organized like, or something. Yeah, he says, everything in, everything in here is organized, yeah, disorganized. <laughs> yeah, disorganized. That's what I love is that it's not that Ezra is like messy slobby you know goofy it's not that he knows what he's doing it's just that his system is different and when hu yang realizes that he's like and he finds out it was kane and jerris sabine you know kane and jerris that's when hu yang's like oh yeah that tracks all right now it all makes sense now yeah, it all so makes sense like yeah. i get why you're different this show yeah. beautifully like hones in on this theme of like the dark side and the villains are afraid of being defined by what they are others like they're very paranoid yeah. i have to be better than that i miss the idea of it but not the truth all these things the light side <laughs> is on a journey of being comfortable with who they are and what they are uh, ahsoka says to hu yang i don't need sabine to be a jedi i need her to be herself 
Those and I love his line. I I I think I saw like a tweet about it, like when uh like Huyang responds, "Well, I suppose you do come from a long list of non-traditional Jedi." And then I saw someone do like that quote with like a little like picture, just putting all of them next to each other, and there was just something kind of like thrilled me about seeing the just sort of it clicking for me that Sabine is now part of that lineage. Yeah, it was really cool, and like that whole scene we said before about that scene with with Ezra and Huyang, it's it's great. And my heart just like I got a little teary eyed when Huyang brought out the uh, oh, yeah. the hilt the the emitter that was uh, that was the same as Kanan's. Yeah. I, I I was thinking that Kanan's lightsaber might still be on Thrawn's ship, and Ezra was going to like steal it back. But like him, I thought the building, same thing. Him building a saber to resemble Kanan's was just such a beautiful thing, and I, I just it's, it's such a great tribute yeah. to Kanan. And there was that great oh. moment where Sabine tries to give Ezra his saber back. It was like, no, it's yours you now. Keep it. Yeah, I gave yeah. That you had a Luke moment. You had a Luke and moment. She like, yeah, made. Yeah, she made her modifications yeah. to it, which is such a Sabine thing to do, which I love. Like it is the thing, but it's a little bit different in the way that she would do that to a bunk bed, a ship, everything that she that she got her hands mm-hmm. on. And I like that his is Kanan's in shape. There are small detailed differences, like the grip and everything. It's it's as it's akin to Luke's green lifesaver being like Obi Wan's. Like yeah, it, it's right in that same family, and it looks just like it. But it's got their. It's like an element of legacy that happens yeah. as we go. And exactly. and even you know if we're talking about saber journeys, an under discussed element of this show is the fact that Ahsoka ends the series as a single blade wielder again. Indeed, Something that she yeah. hasn't been since being Four a preteen. Two. Yep. Yeah. So. That, that she lost her Shoto blade. And yeah, she does that incredible kill with lightsaber and night sister sword at the same time, which is whoo, clean as hell. It's the thing where you're like, oh, I am so sad to see uh, Morgan go, but man, yes. what a way to get taken out by Ahsoka. That, yep, was, that she, was clean. She got, she got the level up at the end, uh, uh, at the beginning of that episode. <laughs> she did. She yeah, got the, the Pokemon uh, evolution. You can see the, the like, great mothers just sort of like sensing it and going, God damn, we just loaned her that thing. <laughs> yep. yep. I love that they called it the the Blade of Talzin, too. Like, that I was know. Such but, a cool nod. Yeah. Again, like little moments we brought up the bits of Kane and stuff like as someone who, who March of 2020 finishing rebels, watching Jedi Knight for the first time. I have not cried since like, like that, since that moment. <laughs> I, was say, I have not so, cried since I have not I cried, cried all my tears. All the tears are gone. Your tear ducts. I, that was the most like visceral, <laughs> like emotional reaction I've ever had to Star Wars. Even though I knew the death was coming, I still cried for five minutes straight after the episode. Uh, I, so again, any little reference to Kanan, whether it be little moments referencing Kanan when referring to Jason, and then th- that scene with Huyang and Ezra in seeing the emitter again, I I, I got a little emotional. But Indeed. we also talk about Ezra and Sabine uh, again. The fact that Aman and Natasha to me are just as much they embody the characters as much as uh, Tia and uh taylor do yeah those scenes with them just talking on pretty of those those quieter moments it feels so much like the characters that we follow in the animated show for four years it they feel like they don't feel like people like portraying the character they feel like 
Sabine and Ezra. And of course, as we know, uh, Ezra Bridger wife named Sabine Wren. Uh, is the one. <laughs> <laughs> so as we know, a lot of people are probably getting upset. Uh, uh, I'm the, I'm the kind of person like where... Language. I will appreciate all of the people who ship Shin with with Sabine. I get it. I get the whole like lovers like enemies to lovers thing. I I get it. I can see that. I also uh am very much in the kind of camp of like uh yeah Ezra and Sabine they have like that thing like because I saw people like know that when he says oh you were always like a sister to me and he does the Ezra neck scratch thing like when he's nervous so like he could be fibbing about that but who knows like it's definitely <laughs> uh it's definitely a possibility. Just quickly, I would like to go back to something uh, Alden mentioned about, like the whole scene with uh, Huyang talking about the lightsaber and how um, it is—it's it, the same but a bit different. And I feel like that kind of speaks to, like, as as you said, the larger theme of legacy that permeates the show. Because this is you obviously we've we've danced around it for a bit, but I think um, the whole thing of like Anakin showing up and. Yep speaking with Ahsoka through the world between worlds because I know that that was a polarizing for some people because I think people were expecting more of a like a hash it out kind of thing but I did love the kind of almost kind of like mysterious nature of the conversation and how it was it was signifying it was a lot was being said with little words and how mm. there is this thematic undertone of legacy where like Anakin speaking to Ahsoka saying you know you're part of a legacy is very much kind of like it's kind of Dave verbalizing how he feels about inheriting part a big part of this legacy from George because he is seen as George's apprentice George taught him all he knows about Star Wars you know he he has sort of taken on as we have now seen from his promotion recently to chief creative officer like at Lucasfilm he's a big driving force of that legacy he's taken so much of what George taught him and paid it forward with like some of the stuff he's put in and you know, there's a lot of stuff here that is reminiscent of George Lucas, but there is also a lot of stuff that is very uniquely Dave Filoni, whether it's like the the wolf, uh, the wolf pursuit, the rebels cast themselves. Uh, but yeah, there was it, it just adds an extra little bit of metatextual heft to those scenes yeah. with the Clone Wars outside of the, oh my God, we're seeing live action clones. Is that Rex? Oh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, might mm -hmm. I say, like, because my brother, I've got to mention my brother briefly. He he loves Rex so much. Rex is his favorite character, like, you know, and just the joy I got to see on his face, even if it was just such a fleeting cameo of seeing Rex in live action, just, like, in all his glory. Like, and I love that they just gave him a character poster as well. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. he's... Yeah. he's He's practically a cameo, but we're still going to give him a poster because he looks great, and it's and it's freaking Rex. You, you know, got like, you get finally got Tem as Rex. Yeah, so and he, yeah. And he even he even did a little bit, like he even altered his voice slightly to fit D. Bradley Baker. So it's still Tem, but it feels a little bit like the D. Bradley Baker version of Rex, and that was just a really nice touch that I appreciated. Yeah, again, you brought up Anakin. I, I talked about emotional moments earlier. Hearing Hayden Christensen say hey snips for the first time i don't i don't i don't think i'd be able to mimic the sound that came out of my body if i tried <laughs> the first it was just uh. like like i just lost it and then i see him and i think i, I again this is this is high praise here because i his especially his uh body language in Revenge of the Sith is is so underrated and so amazing, yeah. and he, I thought the the brief glimpses he really got to 
Shine and Kenobi were great. I think this is Hayden Christensen's best performance as Anakin Skywalker in this show. It is. It he is. is so good in it. Uh, it. It's he is the perfect mix of Revenge of the Sith Anakin mixed with the Clone Wars Anakin. He uh, he has a bit of Matt Lanner's cadence to him, his his yeah. voice, which I love, mm-hmm. while still ha- like it being Anakin, and not just the flashback scenes and the stuff in the world between worlds, but that hologram when ahsoka yes. is training is one yeah. of my new favorite scenes of all time oh he's it's so good. good not just hearing hayden christian say saz ventress but like just yeah. seeing yeah. him <laughs> in the armor and everything he's so yeah. good can i say just like before we get deep about like what he means and what he did and all that but real quick on the acting yes the, the moment where he is uh, you know, red lightsaber wielding Lord Vader Anakin, and yeah. then he oh my yellow eyes, God. closes his eyes, softens, oh. opens his eyes, and smiles at her. I was like, this, this, I, I was, I was the Rappaport Snoop Dogg. This motherfucker don't miss. <laughs> like, like that's what, that was me at that moment. Like, really, this guy took you on the entire journey of the ethos of the character with like three facial expressions, like insane. Yep. But visually, I have two That's costume smile. notes. My first costume note is I am not a fan of what is it? Is it when was the redesign? Season three of season Clone Wars? Three. Yeah. I'm yeah, not a fan three, yeah. of seasons one and two. I don't like the maroon, maroon blue and choppy little, you know, triangle hair. Uh, <laughs> I never liked it. And then they put it in Battlefront 2, and I was like, okay, all right, cool. Like, this is like a proof of concept. I can be sold on this. When this bitch Hayden showed up in this show and they even managed to make short, I'm growing my hair out, Anakin yes. look good. I was like, you know, honestly, like, like to be serious, like rest in peace, Shauna Tripic, you're a genius because yeah. that was a perfect translation. My only yeah. negative costume note in anything, and it's not even Shauna's fault. The costume is great. It's more Dave's thing. My only thing is that that final shot when the ghost is looking after them when they're stuck on Peridia, he should be wearing the traditional robe. Yeah, it should not be. It should not be Revenge of the Sith. That's the only thing that bugs me because that's because right. there was so much like, is it is it his ghost? Is it just in her head? Is it the, the force? Is it the... Oh no, and he's that dead, to me sure. doesn't. Yeah. Well, at the end, yes. In the world yeah. of two worlds, it doesn't matter to me, and I don't think it matters to Dave either. Um, that's not the point. It's her experience. Yeah, it's her. But yeah, that one at the end it, is him. Yeah, it's her yeah. going from Ahsoka the Gray to Ahsoka the White, and yeah, having that com- that moment of clarity she needs with Anakin to fully be the mentor that Sabine needs. Yes, and it's it's again, people. You can say whatever you want about the production of the flashbacks. Again, you're going to have these issues with the volume. It's a different conversation we can have. You can have critiques. I like the fog. Time. I'm going to say it. I like yeah, the fog. I think it makes sense dramatically. I, I don't think I it looks it. great, but it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense it's, it's, in the dreamy scenario of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. again, I, the clones looked a little bit too clunky for me too. But like Anakin looked great. Rex looked great. Ahsoka. Uh, shout out Ariana Greenblatt for having one of the maybe aside from uh Ayo Edibiri, the best year in 2023 like Barbie this she is killing it and, and she was I young thought, Gamora in Infinity yeah. War that's insane yeah. which yeah. I didn't realize until after this episode aired that that was Same. young Gamora 
Uh, but well, she, again, it's not a, uh, sorry, kind of for interrupting you, but this oh. is, it was not a casting choice I ever imagined or expected, but I liked it. And I thought she, like, seeing the original costume and then, see, well, not the original costume. We don't talk about the original costume, but seeing, like, the Tales of the Jedi updated version of it and yeah. then seeing the Siege the of Mandalore version. Fully erased. Two, it's gone now. Tales of the yeah. Jedi recommended. The, the, the Siege of the Mandalore exist. costume, I was so happy to see that. That looked, she, yeah. and I, she I love the little moment of Anakin being like, I don't recognize this battle. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and I love that she immediately turned around with like, like I wonder such a, the fuck like, why you in like just like the lack of self awareness <laughs> like it's so and also just like the small details of that those Montrals being a, a little bit taller and a yeah. little bit longer like really selling that Ariana's performance was covering a couple of years um, mm -hmm. and but the the brilliance of because of the nature of the vision, that is Rosario's Ahsoka in a child. It's not a, a flashback. It's a I'm a kid. Like it's it's yeah. it's very much a. But this is the Clone Wars, and when he turns around and says, "Yeah, no kidding," that was when I was like, "Holy oh, shit, it's Matt Lanner!" That like, shot, yeah, like blew my mind. I was like, "What am I watching right now? This is insane." I'm actually I'm seeing Hayden Christensen in Clone Wars armor, and like I I think another really good production note was like the way that they used the the, the blaster fire and the explosions to illuminate the surrounding battle. Like yeah. I think. Especially yeah. that I think I think Mandalore could have been done with a little less fog because it gets more mm. it's better to get more clear as time goes on. But we saw a Maldalorian. I never thought we'd see those things in Love those that. guys. Good. In yeah. they looked fucking good. They looked yeah. really yeah. good. Also, but I it's hard because like the animated lightsaber fighting, especially of the Clone Wars, can be so super heroic. Like especially in Siege, like Ahsoka was literally using jetpack flyers as jump yeah. points and going through the, <laughs> the cruisers and falling. And of course the iconic saber slide, but I'll give so the fucking good. credit. Those little breakdance spins that Ariana was doing or her stunt double uh, were excellent. Like it yeah. really yeah. was like, like it was, it, I was talking to Nikki uh, from Imperial Senate and uh, Nikki was saying, you know, it would be cool if we got Ariana to actually give her the opportunity to play the girl ahsoka not rosario's ahsoka seeing herself as a child mm -hmm. like and if we like in the way that marvel say, yeah. does like marvel special presentations like do like lucasfilm special presentation the battle of blah 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 just make one up and mm. i mean if that's what it world. takes if that's, if that's what, what it takes, takes to get, to get you, and, you and hayden and her together I want Ewan in the armor, damn it. Like, I know I know it's greedy, but god damn it, we've, we've got Hayden in the armor. Please, we just need one shot, one shot of Ewan McGregor in that awesome Obi-Wan armor from the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And, like, my uh, my Star Wars fandom will be complete. Like, I don't need... That, I, that man, the fan at, service, at this point... I don't need anything like, else. <laughs> they could offer him literally anything, and he'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, yeah. he's, like I think if they gave him the armor, he would he would recreate the Wilhelm scream he did Con at Star Wars Convention era. Ewan McGregor is maybe my favorite thing of all time. Just seeing like oh, it's him just completely mm -hmm. revitalized. And what I love is that like good. free is a completely different topic. But what I love about that note is like for years he was never never done with it. Like he never it was never bitter. Yeah. But Ewan was always you know I do I do more dramatic fare. 
Like I'll I'll pop in for a Disney role here and there, like Christopher Robin or whatever voice. But man was out there doing like Fargo and like darker stuff, and you know he's married to an actress who you know we might know from other from other other Star Wars things, uh, like this fucking show. Um, mm. But she, <laughs> but he he just seemed like ah oh, that's you and McGregor like very very esteemed. So to see him, yeah, like. Yeah, I'll do fan expo, whatever. <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> what a time. He's doing all of them now. It's great. He's doing I fantastic. Like yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to and- get back to Ariana Greenblatt quickly, though, yep. because I think what Alden said is really good. Because I was going to transition that into like my overall thoughts about like the Anakin thing. Mm. Like, Ari- like, like Alden said, a- Ariana has like such a r- tricky uh, tightrope to walk because she's got to get across. Uh, Ashley Eckstein's version of Ahsoka from the Clone Wars, and also do like Rosario's Ahsoka being in that body, and she she pulls it off really well. Like there are moments where like she, you can tell that she's kind of embodying Rosario's more stoic uh, attitude as the character, and then there's like lines where she's like, oh, where she calls out Matt Ma- Master in that in a, in a kind of higher tone, or like that exchange where she's like, where they're like, oh, oh, I'm joking. You're joking? How can you joke at a time like this? What would you prefer? I don't know. Like that just felt so like Matt and Ashley uh, kind of a conversation to me that I just I just loved it. And yeah. the, the it, it goes into like the whole kind of thing with like that scene with Anakin and Soka and like I I love that like throughout the whole thing everything Anakin is doing in that conversation because assuming it is Anakin and I personally feel like it is. I think the line uh, I've heard that before when she says I won't fight you I feel like that's kind of like a little hint that it is Anakin. But overall, I feel like Anakin, everything Anakin is doing in that sequence, everything Anakin is saying to Ahsoka is to push her towards making the decision to live. Like everything he says, like even his flippant attitude about being Vader, that's by design. He's he's saying it to kind of push her buttons. It's very oh, much yeah, akin. That. It's very much akin, and you'll like this comparison, Connor. It's very much akin to Cal Kestis's encounter with Jarrah Tapal on Dathomir. Like, when he first touches the thing and Jarrah Tapal appears and he's all, like, mm-hmm. strangely curt towards Cal and he's like, oh, you are no Jedi, you know, like, and all that kind of stuff. He's saying it to push mm-hmm. Cal to go where he needs to go because Cal needs to go to Ilum. Cal needs to re- remake his lightsaber and rediscover himself and get that will to carry on and embody Jarrah Tapal's teachings. And that's, that's well, very much what I felt Anakin was doing with Ahsoka. That was more so Cal's personal demon coming out in the form of his dead master and being like, "You fucking suck, dude." <laughs> I mean, you, you you can say the same. You can say you can the say same say. thing um, about Ahsoka, though. That this is no, it her is her. It's her, her demon. demon. It's it's definitely a combination. Like mm-hmm. that's what I love is that is it his literal ghost in the world between worlds? Is it? The manifestation of her thoughts is it her memories being tapped on by the force is it all of those things and what i love is that the i think yes. god i wish i could credit whoever said this it was definitely someone in our friend group so whoever said it you know who you are um it might have been charlie ashby um it it's i think i think anakin in that episode is as much anakin literally as the grand inquisitor is literally knight in canaan it's like it's the right figure that you have met that you have and in this case had an intimate relationship with and, and, and your childhood with your, it's like your big brother um presenting itself 
a combination of Anakin in, and the Force because he is one with it. It's definitely what it needs to be. And, and that's what I like about the way that her journey is handled and the way that Filoni handles Force journeys in general is that it's very much, it's what it needs to be. It's very in the spirit of the way George handled the Force. Like, there's no fucking rules. Like, Empire doesn't stop to tell you how the Dark Side Cave works. It just is. And uh, I, I always quote uh, the Tales of the Jedi uh, pilot, the, the, the Life and Death, when she faces off with that big beast as a baby. And Filoni says, you know, about the question of, is, is baby Ahsoka using the Force? And he's like, I don't know. Is she using the Force or is she just not afraid? And aren't they the same thing? And that quote was when I was like, if you question this man, <laughs> I just baffling. But almost like, it's like Luke said, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Uh, that's like, what it is. And that's why Sabine's, that Sabine's force journey, which was, you know, when the trailers kind of eh, eh, maybe she will. A lot of people were very much of the absolutely not. Do not do that. And I'll say the way that they earn it over eight chapters god when it happens you're like yep i buy it mm -hmm. and it's i'll say that that was that's one of the things that i still i overall i like what they said i like sabine's journey of through the force and and, and being a padawan to ahsoka i love all the stuff in the show i think it makes perfect sense for sabine's character it melds well i still do not know if i'm if I'm like, yes, this is the route I wanted them to go, or maybe she shouldn't yeah. have been force sensitive. I still don't know the answer to that. However, I, I do love everything we have. I think her wielding agree, as yeah. her lightsaber is awesome. I think yeah, it was so cool. It, it, it told. I think the most interesting journey we've had for uh, a, a young Jedi so far in the fact that the first seven episodes, seven and a half episodes, she can't use the force. Hu Yang yeah. even says you're you might be you might have the least talent for the forest I've ever seen. And if I love that's going from Hu Yang, who's yeah. been around literal millennia, uh you you know that means something. Well, so she's at an all-time low, she's yeah. been she's been stabbed. She's basically like she's having to like sit and heal while Ahsoka goes off and does the yeah. interesting stuff with her own and chopper. Like, and Hu Yang's just like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna give you a dose of reality to just like uh, <laughs> not knock the wind back into you. Yeah, it, it's handled really well. Like the only time you're wasting is your own. Perhaps it's time to begin again. What I love about it is that, yeah, obviously it's you know we all know that love and breathe this stuff and live it and read all the quotes and everything from the creators. This was always in the bedrock of what George intended. You know, talent versus natural ability. We all have it. It's just not everybody is able to live a life that of the commitment level that would require to bring it out. If you're not one of these naturally gifted people. We got to keep in mind the Jedi are very much the galactic exception. At the prequel era, it's 10,000 strong. You could fit every Jedi in existence inside of your average concert venue. Like your, well, not your average concert venue, but your average arena. Like think about your basketball team's arena. Every Jedi could fit in. That'd there. be a weird event for sure. And, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so when you now have Sabine sort of being the first of her kind, in the mainstream storytelling of somebody that didn't have it at all until adulthood, you know, it's, it's a concept that was in legends a lot. Kyle Katarn, you know, who, who get, gets it as a, a as a middle-aged man. Um, even Finn, 
we see it at the, Finn. Like, very, Finn at the is, very end of Finn, his journey in the sequel. Exactly. Yeah. He feels Ray die. And it's like that, whoa. Like he he viscerally he had the Leia moment of like, mm-hmm. oh God. Like I I felt that. Um we're seeing it now manifest in different ways. And when when people row up against it, I'm all I always go to, hey, remember, Clone Wars had a baby Rodian floating a ball. Like this is <laughs> not a this is a, a very flexible spectrum and sliding scale of and they and they just really sold it on for me because mm-hmm. of like the the way that the Mandalorian saga, Mandoverse, uh, this whole era is is so much yeah. about synthesis. The category of the Grogu saga. The g- category of the Grogu saga, which honestly is the best name. Yeah. Um, thought- that the entire uh, all these stories have largely been about synthesis. Like, can you be both Mandalorian? and father can both mandalorian sects be one people can you be uh at one time a cold-blooded uh hunter slash assassin slash brute and then become sort of the leader of the island of the misfit toys and become the mayor of this place and protect it uh can you and now you have you know this other mandalorian jedi you have grogu and you have sabine can you grieve and be motivated by attachment. Yep. The thing that is so key to their order, keeping that in check, she's entirely motivated by it. She gives Balin the map because of it. Yep. Um, and is not judged for it by Ahsoka. Ahsoka the Grey would have judged her for it, but she yeah. is over that. And for those things, for her to say, I'm with you, is what pushes Sabine to the point where she can finally do it in the finale. Yep. And my biggest like fuck yeah fist pump moment is when she uh is fighting elsbeth and then sabine says not alone and you cut and she stayed yeah and yeah. it's also because that's theoden and and two not theoden it's aomer in two towers the theoden king stands alone not mm-hmm. alone. not alone like i was <laughs> like i was so like <laughs> We we no, I, I do love the moment of her using the force for the first time. I think it was Alex Damon that said it would have been maybe more impactful if the first time she used it was her pushing Ezra over the edge yeah. onto Thrawn Star Destroyer. I I do agree I with I kind of like that more, but both moments still work really well. And I again I, I bought into her journey at the end. I, I am now like I've accepted it and I, I I like it and I think it makes it and I think her and Ahsoka being Master and Apprentice is a great next step in their story. And yeah. it's the most unique version of a Master and Apprentice story I think we've had in Star Wars, at least in live action, of seeing them distant. They hadn't, they, they, Ahsoka felt that she failed Sabine, and they it seems like they hadn't spoken or at least been close in years. So to see them rekindling their relationship over the course of these eight episodes was great. And it seems like we're going to get something very similar in Acolyte next year, which I am very excited about. Ooh, that, uh, yeah. And do you think we'll see that initial falling out happen? I kind of would love it if they dramatize that in the form of like a Tales of the Jedi series. Like, that would be it, cool. it might not be like, because then you get Tia and Ashley Eckstein back to kind of verbalize that, that falling out. And that would be a kind of a nice addendum to like their performances on the show. I think that'd be really I think, cool. I think that would be cool. I think that would also be great novel material. Uh, oh yes, that would be also the, good. the initial uh, thing. I, I I'm assuming something like that wouldn't happen until after uh, the heir to the empire movie, just because they've been so tight gripped on yeah 
expanded content for the Mandover shows. Uh, the only stuff we've had is the adaptations of the Mandalorian seasons. So I don't know when the earliest we could get that, but I, I agree with you. I would like to see that uh, very much. Well, so I guess we're I, like, we, we're missing oh. the, sorry. Yeah. No, you go first Connor. Uh, just one thing I just really want to go back to real quick. Um, we were talking about uh, Anakin and Ahsoka and that whole thing. One of the most like specific things that this show gave me that I've kind of wanted for the longest time yeah. is like suitless Anakin slash Vader with a red one. Yes. That yes. Was, oh, Jared, Jared just exploded wherever he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to make him explode again. Um, I've always been so interested for a good while even pre-Jared I can't believe I'm saying that. Even pre-Jared pre about Pre-Jared. That's how I measure time. Like, like a suitless Vader. Like, you know, what would Vader be? Like, it's yeah. always that question. Like, oh, what would Vader be like, you know, if he didn't have a suit? I'm like, I ah, probably would have killed the Emperor um, way earlier. But I've just always been interested in that concept. And so just to see Hayden Christensen get a red saber and fight with it is just... And his delivery as well, like the way he delivered those lines, like when when he just cocks his head and goes incorrect, and just Whoa. like just a slash, like he embodied Vader's physicality without even needing to wear yeah. the armor. Although that brief shot when he walks oh, out yeah. of smoke, it's perfection. Like I don't care how the ex yeah, I don't care how on the nose it is, how I guess so was like, it, you need to do it, yeah. Bad guys use blue. Bad, bad guys use red sabers. The him both times they flash Vader, whether it be in the yeah. smoke or uh, during the flashback, or then him charging towards Ahsoka. Oh, that shot! That hardest shot. things ever. That shot of him walking away into the distance with the explosions, and then Vader just flashing is one of the best shots in all of Star Wars. Like, so honestly, that is perhaps the best thing Dave Filoni has ever shot on camera in in terms mm -hmm. of like star wars stuff because that's yeah, just like it's just again so it's like oh you see you brilliant. get it because he turns into darth vader but like yeah, that, it's that's so, the path he's heading down it's so good <laughs> i don't care um it's excellent. i think now we should transition we've talked a lot about the character moments and we still need to go over Hera. we still need to go over balen and shin and, and, and their stories let's talk about don't the wackier stuff don't forget yeah. thrawn and this is related to thrawn uh, we got to see some undead shit in Star Wars uh, with the night troopers uh, and zombie zombies. Troopers, man. Uh, like, first of all, a just quick flashback moment. 10 years ago, like to like mm -hmm. when we were first seeing Star Wars come back. Did you ever think that we would see Ahsoka Tano fighting off armies of zombie stormtroopers? It's just wild. Like, and I just love how they're committed to just how creepy they are, like with the green glowing eyes and the groaning. And we even got like a literal. I feel like Dave was like throwing the fans a bone there with like the death troopers, like, yeah, see, you got a literal death trooper now. You know, everyone thought they were zombies, you know, and now we got a literal death trooper. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then a moment of silence for everyone's Maroc fan theories. Uh, <laughs> Who is this guy? What's he gonna do? Maroc fan, fan yeah. theories quickly usurped by Enoch fan theories, and yeah. both went nowhere. 
Exactly. <laughs> the the oh, theories disappeared in a literal puff of smoke. Yeah. It was great. It's like, oh, I no, it's like he I might love... be the way he went as well. I it took that great. as he was dead, resurrected by Night yeah. Sister magic, and then killed. And it's great foreshadowing. It's great yeah. foreshadowing for and the I, night. I admittedly like I was like, oh, he's not gonna be anyone. He's not gonna be anyone. And then like the episode before he died, I was like, you know, we haven't seen Barris Offie since uh <laughs> the wrong <laughs> Jedi. Maybe <laughs> nope. I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine who did uh, tell me that Lars was going to be thrown. I kind of figured, but it was nice to have that confirmed. And he was like, "Yeah, Barris might show up in this too." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And he did. Well, you know, you don't get everything. But I yeah. wasn't even expecting it at this. Like when I, but like episode two of the show, I kind of just forgot. And I was just so engrossed in like the sort of current. Journey, yeah, yeah, but uh, it's like, I, man, she's gonna, I feel like she's gonna like, I don't want to come back, but like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ahsoka encounter, like, encounter somehow. Barris, same, I would, I, I'm the guy here who's like hankering after a Barris appearance because she is so fascinating as a character. Just that one episode, because I know. I know it caused consternation of like in terms of like just her coding as a character, but I do I like where it leaves her as a character, and I like the idea of her grappling with, you know, just how she was how she kind of did fall to the dark side, and she was manipulated, and and she helped bring around the destruction and the very kind of like insurgement of the dark side that she was trying in a very misguided way to prevent, but. Yeah, no, I I I I liked Marek. I thought Marek was a fun fun dude. He he had that Boba Fett effect of like a guy who's who's really cool, who shows up, does some action stuff, doesn't really say much, and then dies like very quickly. Although death. got a got a better death than Boba Fett in terms of just like effect because it really allowed Peter Ramsey to like flex his samurai movie it, like it just uh, knowledge that like Ahsoka's on a different level. Like yeah, like yeah, like the, the spinning him. blade and like mm -hmm. her just like calmly standing there. It just sums up yeah. the dark side and the and light side. It's like, like Obi-Wan yeah. like Obi pelt invader with rocks. Like it's the kind of <laughs> yeah. thing of like the flex of like you know you may have all of this overwhelming force, but the light side is patient. It waits and it and it and it is it's precise. Like Mar Marek is all just like the overwhelming force of the Inquisitor blade, which I love that we got to see it really spin. The sound design yeah. is great. But Ahsoka like shows how the light side through like focus and determination will overcome the dark, mm -hmm. and it was just a really cool little mini thematic fight thing. It was just really cool, and and like I said, the 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 green smoke exploding out of Marek, like mm -hmm. almost like as Ahsoka just kind of like like just uh, slipped into the pose. It was very samurai movie, and I loved it. Yeah. And you see the contrast of Sabine a few episodes prior, like getting stabbed by Shin. And yeah. then struggling with her in the forest too, and then you just see Ahsoka just almost take care of Mark like it's nothing. through this Inquisitor, yep. yeah. Uh, Which makes you but then think, later like, in that same episode, did. we get hit with uh, the even bigger thing of her essentially getting killed by Valen in her fight because she still isn't, even though she is so more in tune with the Force than Sabine is at this point. She still isn't fully herself, and she still yeah. has her own demons mm -hmm. to to get over, and and that's represented and by she's Balenix white rat. Yes, she has one like, foot he... in and one foot out, and and Balen is utter commitment. Yeah, mm -hmm. like his his first his big hallway scene that was in the trailers and everything. Yeah, on the on the cruiser, it's just 
calm. It's yeah. inevitable. And that's his whole philosophy. His philosophy is yeah. in the way he moves. It's in the way he fights of, you know, you're destined to fight. You're always going to fight. This is, you know, he, Balin is in the, on the meta text level. He is a star Wars villain who has become keenly aware of the fact that star Wars is still going. Yeah. Uh, and he, he has real, he has taken the wrong conclusions from order 66 and from the fall of the Jedi where it's not that he is suddenly like I'm driven by hate and I will destroy and wahaha. Mm -hmm. It's I was part of the fall. I assessed the situation and I think I figured out that we need to end the star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a unique character because I don't think he hates Ahsoka. I don't think he hates the Jedi and I don't think he's a Sith. He's just, like you said, he's he's seen the world in such a different way after the fall of the Jedi, and he is so driven by that power that he doesn't even know if it's real or not. But so much so that he just even though he out. loves Shin, he is willing mm-hmm. to let her go. Yeah, because he knows that her commitment level is not the same. Her mind frame is not the same. Uh, she she has had multiple moments of viciousness. Uh, and he allows her to walk the path of of the of a warrior, you know, which is what Ahsoka abandons. Shin leans in, and, and Ahsoka mm-hmm. tries to give her the out in Episode Seven, and says, "I I can help you," and and she runs away. And Balin tells her, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, "Go go take your place," in and you and we think that means she's going to go be by Thrawn's side, and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She, she she she's afraid of all of it, and yeah. she's unsure. She's constantly asking questions. You know, what will happen when we find Thrawn? What is the purpose of the new power? Do you miss this? Well, what about me? This, that, and the other thing. And she mm-hmm. panics and she goes for the people who just take. She goes She goes and joins Raiders, yeah. you know. There's two yeah. great moments for me uh, with Shin and Balin. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Boken Jedi scene where yeah. she's like, oh, is that, that's me. And she's like, no, you're, you're going to be something more. And then the moments where you see when Sabine gives Balin the map and he's he seems very genuine in the fact that he is going to honor his deal and you know he's a villain so he's probably gonna something's gonna happen but she seems so genuinely thrown off that he would go against his word yeah or do and it Again, I, I love her character so much. Even though she and, was very eager to kill Sabine, yep. like she, he had to stop her from doing that. There's that kind of unrestrained kind of like fear that drives Shin of like not being not being good enough in a way because like you can see the satisfaction that she has in like the Starfighter chase where like she's so dead set. And I love like the way Ivana Sarkno's um, eyes, she has such an intense stare for like most mm. of that whole uh, Starfighter chase. You can feel the satisfaction as she gets to tell Morgan Ellsworth, "Oh, you weren't good enough." After like, yeah. after being, she seems to have this real motivation of like a fear of not being good enough. She seems to have come from like v- very uh, humble circumstances. She's been found by this like ancient warrior Jedi who who feels like he literally feels displaced from time. He holds his lightsaber like a claymore. His armor is like that of an ancient knight, and he's literally a warrior from another time, out unstuck from time. Uh, promising her other power and every time she gets like an, a glimpse of uh the world beyond just her and Balan, like when she sees ahsoka take marik out she's scared she didn't even know marik marik was nobody to her but watching ahsoka just so cleanly take out this 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 
powerful figure next to her, it fills her with fear. Ahsoka scares mm -hmm. her in a way because Ahsoka mm -hmm. rejects everything that Balin has been propagating. Balin basically is still going by the kind of dark side thing of like, my way is the only way. And it's the kind of tragedy of him as a character is that he's, yeah. he's, and it's almost fascinating at the same time because he's self-aware enough of, as you said, the Star Wars cycle, he's literally the villain that became self-aware and he, but he's just a little too resigned to it. And he's too, and he's too stuck in, he's too stuck in the in-between that he just can't pick a lane. Like mm. he's, he's embracing those dark side tendencies of breaking his word and, just uh, assisting dark siders like like the uh, the night sisters and even Thrawn, but he also is still attached to his Jedi following, his Jedi teachings. Yeah. As, as you said, he lets Shin go without um, without actually uh, wanting to hold on to her because of like you know the fear of attachment thing, and he also like, honors his yeah. word in a way, or because it's, of like his ways is it's my way or the highway. He's not egotistical exactly. about it. No. He doesn't judge her. Oh yeah, you know he just treats it as inevitable, like you said. It's it's it, he just treats it as as it's fact. It's given. And Ahsoka is Ahsoka the White when she enters the picture after having been rejuvenated through that experience with Anakin. She is able to reject him. Like he he yeah. acts like oh it's a foregone conclusion that if they fight he'll win. And she's like I don't need to fight you. I mm -hmm. don't need to fight you. That's not my goal. My goal is to reunite with Ezra and Sabine. They're my goal. You are incidental, and that's. You can kind of see the flicker of annoyance in Balan's face mm. when he's basically passed over because he's not he's not integral to the character's journey anymore. He's able to basically just disappear until yeah. he presumably resurfaces for because like I, I don't know what the plan is for him now. I would hope they continue his story personally as much I as too. I yeah. I I like either recast or maybe do like a thing where he where he dons a symbolic helmet or something and you get someone to do a voiceover, but like Difficult as like, it may be, it's yeah. like I think his story needs to continue. That's I it's at that point where honor, yeah. yeah, it's complicated because it's like it is such a case by case thing. As long as like, they don't deep fake it, I'm okay. One hundred percent. Yeah, like well, I'll, passing, I'll say stuff about that later. But yeah, the passing of Carrie, you know, when the ideas of recast were thrown around, it's like just a monumental icon in our culture. They are fortunate here in a tragic situation from the artistic perspective to at least this is new. There's not like history tied up in it. Uh, it was it's unfortunate, but it's he, uh, but Ray did not pass um, in a in, in violence. He didn't pass uh, out of self harm. It wasn't anything controversial. It was an unfortunate loss, um, and he got to do a a real chapter like looking out at what's next it kind of just feels like with the blessing of the family i think everyone will embrace the new actor yeah because it really is a new he got dons the new cape he's in a new place like it kind of just feels like okay it would be really unfortunate if it was you know real if it was like you know the kang situation or if it was like mm -hmm. a uh or a, or if the if the balin arc was more i don't know if it was more of like a we're gonna end in like a like a some dramatic like something you know something that just like it just feels like a really difficult corner to write your way yeah leo schreiber's been throwing around a lot i get it i see it in the face Ooh, but like, that would be an interesting casting but yeah i yeah Ray... I, I like you know richard armitage you know someone mentioned liv schreiber and Warren. yeah that, that that works i really like sean bean in my mind um, Ooh, 
the physically imposing sort of like energy of a classically trained actors, you know. Just not mm-hmm. kill him again. Oh, what do you say? Well, let's just not just... kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I got bad news. I feel like a I feel like skull suddenly, suddenly has a Yorkshire accent. Like, no, yeah. no, Sean, Sean, we need you to do an RP. Uh, no, no, can't do that. <laughs> no, Mortis, Mortis, goods. <laughs> Yeah, but like I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Like Ray, Ray did bring a real singular energy to Balaam, but I do feel like a recasting is the best way to go. I feel like. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Why are you oh, saying I'm hurtful no. things? Why are you giving me that nightmare fuel? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like no, you guys are trying to give him back to us. No, keep him. Yeah. We, we no. he went over to America for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like Shin and Balin are the two characters that, like, again, I assume we'll get more of this story in some form. Uh, but they're the ones I want to see the the most going forward, just because I'm yeah. so curious of where they're going to go. And they and they left it so everyone that's still on Pretty at the end of the season, their stories can go Massive literally anywhere. The only thing we know is by Rise of Skywalker, we assume Ahsoka is a Forest Ghost. That's all we know. You can go in literally any other direction. And yeah. I'm very interested where it's going. But like why I've been looking forward to talking about these two characters so much since then is, I, again, I haven't felt disconnected to new characters since I saw Ray for the first time in the opening shot on Jakku in The Force Awakens. That might piss some people off, but I don't fucking care. Um, <laughs> yes. So again, yeah, they're wrong. Exactly. Um Balin is my, he's a villain that I don't think I've seen one work this well or connect as well with me since the original trilogy. Something about everything we've talked about so far, the way they handle the antagonistic role in the show is so different from any other dark side user that we've ever seen. But I don't even know. I don't even know if I can call him a dark side user. Like, I just know that he's not a Jedi. Is he a dark he's Jedi? Close, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's the closest I've seen to, like, mm-hmm. a, a live-action Star Wars come to adapting a dark Jedi kind of character. Because mm-hmm. he's not a Sith, but he's not yeah. a Jedi. He's very yeah, it's much literally kinda... everything from, like, the lightsabers having the orange tint, which, by the way, Hasbro, yeah. Funko, uh, Lego. We need to have a fucking word. Um, can't stand it. Can't <laughs> as stand. a collector, I can't those lightsabers stand. are not red. They are They're orange. Red. They're fucking and orange. I, I, I literally love about I don't Ray, though. do this. I don't do this. When I get the Shin and Balin Black Series figures, I'm painting them blades fucking orange because I cannot look at a red blade because it's just not. It's that. annoying. Wait, if a that force a, effects or a, another or a, stream or a idea for Twitch, like just saying, yeah, <laughs> people would cheer you on like painting, like just painting those lightsaber blades orange. Yeah, if, for sure. if they do, like you said, if they do like a force effects or like a Galaxy's Edge saber for Shin and yeah. Balin, and it's a plain old red blade. This is a very nerdy. This is a very nerdy thing to have a. An, a, a no, but it's valid. See Huyang himself marching into Doc Ondar's shop just to say that's not how the lightsabers look. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they have orange blades. Uh, God damn it! And then with but, Shin, like everything from the design to the way Ivana performs the character. Um, again, just one of my favorite moments of the whole season is Sabine in the forest and Shin shows up and just the stare and then the. Going somewhere, I'm like, fuck me up. This is the coolest character of all time. <laughs> uh, and then yeah. also her <laughs> and uh, Natasha's enigma. like uh, all the behind the scenes stuff they've been sharing. Ah, uh, it's my favorite it's thing. Ver- and very cute, lovely, brilliant. Uh, but then also 
we've been given the greatest image in the history of man, which is Ivana, cigarette, and speeder. <laughs> the greatest. I need it. Brilliant. How very it's, European it is, of her. Fantastic. It is the great. Like it's like this is this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but these are, again, I love these characters. I want to see more of them so soon. And just, again, you don't see this with Star Wars villains. It's usually always, oh, I'm corrupted by the dark side. Ah, or I'm so yeah. evil. Yeah. You never have seen a villain except for maybe Thrawn, which makes sense for the show. But you've never seen a villain like Balin where every time he has to fight Ahsoka, he's like, oh, that's a shame. Like he does, he doesn't want to kill her. Yeah, but he has to. Yes, to achieve I, I like his goal that. of getting that mm -hmm. ultimate power that may it's or may not sadness. exist. It's and that's mm -hmm. the thing. That's the last thing I'll say about about Balon is that I love the way Ray plays it, where like it, there's that sad and it, the inevitability isn't just like it doesn't just give him power; it also takes away. He's mm -hmm. sad that he has to face Ahsoka. He's sad that he can't convince Ahsoka or Sabine to ally themselves with him more fully because and he wants he wants everyone to embrace his almost kind of nihilistic form of uh, his nihilistic view of the force and the galaxy like yeah. he's literally so fed up with the conflict Look, and I'm gonna tell you right now. he fled to a whole other galaxy I'm gonna tell you right now I would sacrifice a lot maybe even some people for Balin shorts in Tales of the Jedi season 2 like oh Balin Clone Wars era, you know, Jedi Master Balin Skull. Uh oh, when Thrawn goes, General Balin Skull. I was like, oh, bitch, he got you. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> it's the it's like it's like the silence of the lambs. Like it's got the same <laughs> cadence. Can I just look, look, we could do another hour like just doing Thrawn lines. The uh the two Don't that tempt me. The two that mm -hmm. stick with me so deeply are um, one is the uh, Froronin, such as you. Like, it's yeah. such a fucking insult, but it's so proper. Uh, it's so dismissive and, and yet so formal, yeah. The mm -hmm. other one, the one that sticks with me is his introductory line because it's just, it's so <laughs> thrown. So good. What was first just a dream has become a frightening reality to those who may oppose us. Like yeah. it's just so good. Like it's the kind of thing where they built up through like kudos to this show for like hanging so much of it on like well Thrawn is coming, Ezra is coming, and neither of them disappoint in their performances. Yep. They like like we said Iman embodies Ezra so well. It's such a gift getting Lars Mikkelsen in live yeah. action to play Thrawn. Like to hear that uh -huh. voice, just like the presence he brings on set, on set, just like instantly walking out. You buy that this dude has survived here. You buy that all these all these soldiers yeah. be they under. He looks or not, worn down, and that's yeah. why I was like, at first I was like, oh, I don't know about this look, but I eventually got more used to it because, like, admittedly, when we saw yeah. the the like the shots of him in the trailer, I'm like, that's just Elon Musk. Like, it just I I just <laughs> did not yeah. vibe with it. But can it make me go uh, dark set, Andrew? If you mentioned that, yes, no, no. <laughs> I just I don't know what it was about you said making that joke that jogged it, but the one that got me was the uh, there will be no negotiating with the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, which is mm -hmm. Thrawn for I know her big brother, and he's a crazy ass. <laughs> we yeah. cannot, 
<laughs> this is not and gonna work. Even like, even Balin, Thrawn had an oh so, shit moment. There was something so intriguing about meeting an old Jedi character that we've never met before. Yeah. But getting to see someone go against Ahsoka that knows, knew her master and knows what he became, it's so different because we didn't get that in Rebels. Now, we didn't get that God show that was a. Um, Her master was Anakin Skywalker, or something like that. Well, there's the one where when they're leaving, when he's like, uh, he's when he's about to jump to hyperspace before Long Live the Empire, he has that line about Anakin where he's like, you know, what is it like? One wonders how similar you might become. Yeah, which is such a, a such a dig. It's like, such you know, a also, long dig. live the Empire. I I know people got funny because people have read the books. I've only read the first Thrawn novel. Yeah. I know some people got funny about him saying "Long live the Empire." I always thought it was a strategic thing for Thrawn because the Empire is all he's got at the moment. That's yeah. all I'll say about it's a means. that. I, means to it's the end. very yeah. It's means to an end. He's a strategist. You know, the Empire will serve him. He's he he's he's in charge now, basically, and he's going to use it for what he deems fit. It makes but then that being immediately followed by "Long live Dathomir." I was like, oh, we got some. Uh, there's some tension brewing already. Like, what's happening here? I have a sneaking suspicion. Because I actually, I okay, just to briefly diverge, like Mando for, season four speculation. I think Mando season four, since Din is now like a, a New Republic unofficial headhunter, like he's going looking for Imperial remnants. I think we could get an episode where Din and Man, where Din and Grogu go to Dathomir for recon. Like I, mm. I, I've never wanted anything more, honestly, in terms of Mando episodes. I would love a Mando episode where they go to Dathomir. Fucked. Din's yeah. Didn't just get in like just didn't just running away from like all these terrifying creatures that are on there and Grogu just like force pushing them out of the way, like like no problem. But, bro. Just <laughs> that mental like, image of Grogu yeah. versus like the hordes of zombies. <laughs> like <laughs> I I I've said this before again, just it's a Mando note, but this production team, the Favreau Filoni team, their commitment to always making that bitch flip practically instead of in CG is my favorite thing. <laughs> it's the, the straight board flips that he does are so funny. Woo! <laughs> like, it's, it's, such, it's such a contrast from like Yoda and Attack of the Clones. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's such a it contrast. It has the same level of joy and I love it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to, to just say on Thrawn, like I think Thrawn was handled rather well. I would have liked to have seen a little more of his... Uh, I agree with what Alex from Star Wars explains that I would have liked to have seen him maybe a bit more of his naval command kind of uh, presence, like see him maybe outfox some New Republic officers. Hopefully, we'll obviously get that. That is coming. But yeah, maybe it was just the budgetary limitations. They could only do so much. I felt like him as a character, he was translated really well. And I loved his scenes with Sabine, that brief interaction with Ahsoka at the end. And I loved my one of my favorite Thrawn moments in this series is the flicker of annoyance he gets. Like when you're watching, when when Ahsoka, Sabine and Ezra are like on those like weird uh, uh, never-ending story style wolf things and they're like running towards the the uh the the tower and they get in there and thrones you can see the kind of like chiss uh indentations coming more into the front four of his head and you <laughs> every see his, his... time they advance it's just a, like yeah. you might get the equivalent of like like yeah just yeah. the slightest little lip shift yeah um, you like that's how you know he's like he's thinking now i'm pissed yeah mm -hmm. it, it's this such, is this uh... is very displeasing now that we've yeah. seen it i think in the lead up to this production I was okay with the idea of look. If Lars doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. I was always gearing up to accept whoever they got, 
now that we've yeah. seen Lars, there's no one. Like mm-hmm. there are lots of good ideas, you know, Pierce Brosnan because of the artwork or yeah. uh, Christian <laughs> Bale would have been interesting. Or, yeah. Yeah. Like there's lots of people that would have delivered a killer performance. I wouldn't. Um, I, I, I'm, but, I'm one of the ones where I love Cumberbatch. I didn't want him as Thrawn. I thought it would. Yeah. Insane. Would I love I to see him. Star Wars? Absolutely. But not mm-hmm. in this yeah. part. Yeah. Not and, yeah it, it just had to be him. It's not a grand inquisitor situation where now they live equally in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but cool. I guess. An inquisitor type character would be cool though. Like, that would like, be cool. Grand, not not their grand inquisitor, but like sort of that same deal. Yeah, maybe just one inquisitor who gets particularly like acts kind of like a punk to Vader, and Vader kills him to make a point, and it's like, oh yeah, we just wasted Christian Bale. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. To kind of flip it on its head, we've talked about the Imperial Remnant, I guess we can talk a bit about the New Republic, because we haven't really talked about Hera much at all here. Uh, fucking Senator Ziono can suck my fucking dick. I hate this guy <laughs> so much. And I am so, like, I love that we got some resistance like connections. Uh, but now I'm like, I look back at him surviving in season two and I'm like, ah, god damn it. The whole planet blew up and Ugh, come on now. But again, this show continues my trajectory that all of the Mandover shows have done, where every single time the New Republic is on screen, I get less and less sad about the destruction of Hosnian Prime. I'm like, eh, well, <laughs> well you we know, just met you the editor of Hosnian yeah. Prime. So, like, uh, of course, like, come on. Yeah. Like, the fact so that there are so many just out and about clear, still imperial loyalists working in positions of power in the new republic and we see it on that shipyard uh that in that the hera episode uh with her and ahsoka i, I like that i know some people did the whole kind of like thing about like you know trying negatively comparing it to Andor, but i actually really liked the whole thing of like this supposed centrism of like oh no we don't care who 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 we work for as long as we get paid it, that kind of thing and that was bullshit just, that was bullshit it's honestly bullshit yeah because yeah. they were just arming they were just arming uh imperial remnants and you just got yeah. that really kind of mm-hmm. like i loved like just the quiet command that hera had in that scene i like mm-hmm. hera was my favorite uh character from rebels i loved uh i loved hera as a character she was great i never expected to just like fall in love with her as a character but yeah mary elizabeth winstead she really did a she did a great yeah. job. She really embodied like I was really Definitely worried. Definitely fell in love with her. Hera, <laughs> Hera, Hera <laughs> I was most worried about. Yeah, like she's she's great. Like she's great. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. She looked fantastic. I, I, oh, did she? It's ever? funny that we said that. It's funny that we said that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. funny that we said that about Thrawn's chist lines because people were saying that. About uh about Hera's leku about the like not her not having the kind of like birthmarks and then yeah. literally from the first episode she has them on the back of the leku they're and there. I was like you see yeah. they're there mm-hmm. say so they're there but and what she... I like about her performance versus Vanessa's is that there are some people that when they take over a character they are straight up doing it and it's like my god and I feel like Natasha and Iman fit that category. Where it's like Iman even sounds like Taylor. Like it's a it's a really startling like I said, it's embodiment. Scary. Yeah. But it's there scary. are some people like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I think is sort of the inverse of like Matt Lanner, where like Matt took over and became the voice of a live action character. She is now the body of an animated character. 
And it's like, I don't think Matt has ever actually sounded like Hayden, but he sounds no. like Hamkin. And that's yeah. the thing. And I don't think that Vanessa and Mary sound similar, but they both sound like Hera. Yeah. It, that's when that's it's about, there's really two kinds of, of recast. And, and then you get some people that it's like, I'm doing an impression. Like James Arnold Taylor is doing his Ewan McGregor. And they both mm-hmm. work. It's just, it yeah, you know, exactly. what are you doing? Like Rosario doesn't yeah. sound like Ashley. They don't have similar voices, but they both sound like Ahsoka. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like I loved it. And she also had great chemistry with Chopper as well. Yeah. Chop Mm -hmm. was great here. Everyone's, he didn't kill enough people though, which is. Yeah. I wanted to see my favorite war criminal do some war, do some crimes here. Like, come on, just have him take out some storm. Violate the Geneva Convention a couple times for us, (laughs) buddy. Like, just just do it for us. Oh, it's just Um, like changing the ship as well. Like, like, no, I did not go through your stuff. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, just perfect. Like, also, Carson, out. Carson being like, "Yo, bro, calm down." Like, in yeah, court, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he when Senator Ziona, like, like a mere drawing, a mere drawing, chopper like. Also, can we just say, top tier use of Anthony Daniels, which oh, Anthony Daniels would say every use of Anthony Daniels is top tier. But it's like was great. It what a brilliant way to have Leia's presence affect the storyline. And have Leia directly make a character decision that influences the plot without having to get into the water of what do we do about that? Uh, it's mm-hmm. very smart. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I love seeing 3PO show up. I love seeing 3PO show up. I love seeing Mon show up at a different to have it be Genevieve at a different point where she is the Chancellor. Uh, again, yeah. one of the accidental greatest things ever was. Uh, <laughs> Well, one, the casting of Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma, but her, like, them feeling like, oh, we need to bring her back in Rogue One because we cut her scenes in Revenge of the Sith, and now we get her in everything. And it's just, yeah. it's great, because she's amazing. It's so deserved, because she is fantastic. Uh, it, the, like you the, said, the it's little great thing, seeing her. The little thing, seeing her in this era, uh, me hating uh, Senator Ziono with a, with a burning burning passion but then also having Carson we brought up earlier how we were kind of shocked Din wasn't in this Carson Teva being the perfect guy to be like the Nick Fury of the Mandoverse just showing up in all of these different I, I say shows he's the agent Coulson he's everything. the agent Coulson yeah. yes because I assume yeah. I assume he'll be in Skeleton Crew like we he's know Vinay is going to be in there Gotta I think. assume not Vinay Vinay is uh Bane yeah yeah Vane. that's Mandalorian yeah I need yeah. a shot of like of of Paul Sun Hyung Lee, sorry, cutting him off to New Republic jail. Just like, all right, let's let's get out of here, you. And he's like, damn, like just I I yeah. just love that. That'd be great. I, but just, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Carson Tever is just like he's a really fun connective tissue kind of character, like bridging all the shows. And like the best moment with him, aside from holding Chopper back from committing violence, was just that kind of like okay. When Huyang did that like little info dump of about Kane and Jarrus, we get that like beautiful ten dimension of Kanan for the first time, and he's just like okay, like 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 he's every casual viewer who hasn't like who doesn't hasn't absorbed all of the like gajillion amounts of Star Wars lore that is lying around. He's like okay, that's that that's it, that's speaking neat. Of, <laughs> speaking of Huyang, Don, I think it's time. Oh, You've it's held time. off long yeah. enough. I've been holding, I'm like that guy, I'm like the meme of the guy with the vein in his head, just like, you know, just like what, trying to wait to talk about Huyang. Um, please, but yeah, so, please unlock so, your David Tennant fandom. Yeah, so for, for this, who is who so for this episode, 
who watches bat baby yeah i'm gonna i'm sharing a very special edition of who watch for our ahsoka overview uh and for the for the whole series in fact there is a there is in fact one actor believe it or not andrew who has been in both star wars and doctor who who, who it, it, playing hu yang you know you know he's a kind of a kind of a small a small time actor you might not have heard of him you know didn't really play that big a role in the show really you know he's only like it's only david tennant who played mm -hmm. the 10th doctor and the and is now currently the 14th doctor you know i just i yeah joke is over like i i am i'm always like gonna stump for Yang and for david tennant like i just i love the character anyway regardless of david tennant because the ancient droid like building lightsabers that's just my thing really but like the fact that we've got david tennant like just one of the one of the like best actors just like walking around currently just like play mm -hmm. like just imbuing this character with this ancient just this feel of ancient wisdom you know you get the feel that this droid has been around for so long uh yeah. you know it, and it's just it's great he brings he brings the kind of like wisdom but there's always the a bit of the doctor in there as well like there's the kind of like the the kind of like attitude of like whenever he's talking to ahsoka and ahsoka like especially towards the end and i i I did this, this is getting rambly, but like I did a, a very long Twitter thread the moment the strikes lifted, uh, talking about Hu Yang. And one of the things I mentioned uh, was how like, I really love how David's performance here complements Rosario's. Because just as like, just as, as Rosario at the start is very kind of like reserved and stoic and she gets more, she gets warmer and more lighthearted and a little bit like the Ahsoka of old, the more the series goes on. The same is true for Yang. Yang is a little more reserved, a little more cold, a little more logical at the start. There's little bits of humor, but he is overall more logical and and slower yeah. in his cadence. And yeah. the more the series goes on, uh, the more David Tennant's performance evolves, and he gets to be like more energetic and more kind of like the Doctor in the way that he's kind of going, "Oh no, not this again!" When Ahsoka's doing the like. The routine and all the kind of like sliding out and everything and yeah the... and and it culminates in him just kind of like just saying like upbeat lines like oh i hope i live long enough to see the outcome but yeah in, in terms That's of a like great the, point because he's like he starts yeah. about like he is the embodiment of what he talks about standard jedi mission protocol yeah. and and but so much of it is as this family this found family of ahsoka sabine ezra the noti as they all start to come together everything standard about it washes away. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, even at, I think who is what he's 10,000, like even at 10,000 years, 20,000, 20,000 20, years. years old. Yeah. God, he's the even at, he took a beating in the show too. Even at, Oh yeah. And when he, he boxed, my dude had hands, my dude had hands. <laughs> like when he pulled the HK droid oh, and he just like punched the thing in the face. I was like, Oh, Oh, he know, he can hold his own. Like I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. uh, put forward my biggest hot take I think I've ever put forward on the podcast. Uh -oh. I I think Huyang could take General Grievous in a fight. You I give Huyang a lightsaber, I think he'd take him out. I think it would go the same as Ahsoka taking out Marek. He'd, just, he'd wait there, General Grievous very precise, correct. and he'd just slice right through that guy's midsection. I mean... And I, and, I love the training sabers as well. The little training holographic sabers. Yeah. That was so cool. Like the little, the Star Wars fan of me was going, like that. Uh, all the little, like, train with uh, Huey and train with Sabine and just seeing Sabine train was so cool. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, uh, it was so cool. Completely Again. Anything. I just was on Twitter and I saw this tweet where it was like, what two characters would you want to put in a room just to see what happens? And someone <laughs> said, I would love to see, like, you know for a fact, Ezra Bridger and Geode. 
and Ezra would just be delighted to meet Geo. Everyone would be like, oh, that's a rock. And he'd be like, no, 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 man. Like, you just don't that's know my how buddy. I know. Yeah. We're hit the clubs um, later. We're going to have a great time. And Gio's like, you bet we are. <laughs> yeah, but for those uh, longtime listeners, uh, back during Andor, Don had a segment called Who Watch, where it seemingly yeah. every week there was at least one or two actors <laughs> on that show that were either from Game of Thrones or Doctor Who. So we turned it into a segment. I've been meaning to bring it back. And, you know, David Tennant <laughs> showing up again and it being one of no Don's favorite time. characters. No bad time. Yeah. yeah, I'm just elated. A, and I, I this was his year, man. This was his year. Like, you know, you had Good Omens, you've Truly. got Ahsoka, and then the cherry on top, him coming back to do Doctor Who for the 60th oh, anniversary. We, as the time of this recording, I've seen the first episode. It's, it's on Disney Plus now for any Americans watching. You know, I would say go watch it. It does a really good job of, like, catching How you up you... if you have... Do you think it's, uh, like, if you've, like, for me, I've never watched Doctor Who... If I were to just watch that on its own, would I be confused or would that be like a solid entry point into the series? Well, they have a little, not to get too into spoilers, they have a little thing where they they basically catch you up on what sort of happened with the characters. So it does sort of, it doesn't just, it drops you in there with like the necessary information you need. I would still mm-hmm. recommend watching at least seasons one to four because yeah, David doesn't come along until season two. You have Christopher Eccleston for series one, but it's still mm-hmm. it's still some brilliant sci-fi, and there's some fantastic uh, episodes there. And obviously, David, it was a formative thing for me as a sci-fi fan, seeing David yeah. Tennant as the Doctor, and like I think him coming back to do the Fourteenth and getting all of this like bringing all of this extra nuance that uh, he has brought to the character, both as a fan and as an actor. I think that honestly ranks in, in this decade of like. Uh, you know, like nostalgia and like these legacy cast castings coming back to reprise their roles. I would rank him in the upper echelon of these re- yeah. of these uh, these moments because he's done it mm-hmm. so well. And it's and just having him again. having a character like Hu Yang ha- have like be such an integral role in the story and have it just be played by David Tennant is just yeah. so cool. It's uh, so cool. It's so great. Uh, but I, we could go on for probably another hour. I think we're going to have to do a second episode about just some (laughs) stuff that we haven't been able to talk about, which I'm okay with. And I kind of expected going to the the end. um, Where do you think this is go? We end, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine are stranded on Peridia. Thrawn is now back in the wider galaxy. Ezra and Hera reunite. Assuming we do get a season two, where do you see this going? When do you think they'll get off Peridia? Do you think there's on there till the Filoni movie? Like what I, do you think? Is like my long term, like Ahsoka? my long term Buckwild, just you know, minimal evidence prediction is that they'll spend the majority of next season there, and it will end with their return. While you know, Hera, Jason, Ezra becomes our Trinity in the main galaxy. Maybe we uh, get Zeb back, Kalazeb in live action. Yeah, and I hope he trains Jason. Ezra training Jason will make me sob. I, um, I can't wait to see that. I'm I'll, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting cool. emotional just thinking about Ezra meeting, like because he doesn't even know Kanan has a son. He has, yeah, he hasn't most... met Jason yet, has he? No. And I also yeah, feel no. like unless it's theory. I, yeah, it's, well, yeah, probably exactly. I feel like uh, another thing as well is that I kind of feel like now that Ezra is back in the galaxy we kind of need an appearance from Luke because I feel like 
the first thing Ezra would do, because Hera knows about Luke. Hera has met Luke, interacted with Luke. And the first thing she would tell Ezra is, oh, yeah, there's another Jedi running around. You know, there's, there's this mm-hmm. Jedi running around. His name is Skywalker. Oh, he only, like, he only blew up the Death Star, this giant super weapon, and he helped yeah. destroy the Emperor. She was that Endor. She's, yeah, yeah, it's like, it, it makes just, sense. Just maybe go and hang so, out with him. And I think tells this me be a- after the SAG stuff uh, yeah. that Luke won't be deep faked. And I think they're going to... And I, I really yeah. hope not I really because, like, not. Yeah. I, 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 I'm speaking to someone who loved the rescue. I love the rescue, and I love the way they did Luke in that story. And, in the and I love the book of Boba Fett episode with him too. Is yeah. incredible. Yeah, because it's like it was a. I feel like we have gotten as much as we can get from That's that the kind of performance. The bigger the and role I, gets. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like you are limiting yourself if you use yeah. any kind of like I don't especially want, in the wake. Yeah, I don't want one of the main characters of Filoni's movie to be a CGI Luke. Like it would be like if it would be like if the whole like the first twenty minutes of Indy Five was the entire movie. Like I'd be like mm-hmm. exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, that makes that's a good comparison. And it's not fair to like the character of Luke because I love I love Mark Hamill. We all love Mark Hamill, and it's, it's it was great to see him get to like return in a way as Luke to be involved in those episodes and and to give mm-hmm. guidance to like the actors embodying him physically and just sort of lending his touch to those to those performances and it was great it was a beautiful emotional moment seeing him show up but i feel like going forward they need to recast they need a new actor to embody Luke f- going forward because Luke has so, like there's so much to Luke Skywalker like we we got such a beautiful complete portrayal of him in the last jedi and there's still so much of the character left to explore and like slap a beard on whoever or one of the guys that mark has been coaching like graham i mean they look they look so much like him they embody him so much already that it would just be jones or graham yeah beard like give him the outfit that he wears in the flashback or rise of kylo ren that's kind of like gray under definitely would like to see him involved do that but i but but the but the the only other thing i was going to say about the future is that I think that's the main galaxy. Peridia somehow has the same gods, this particular pantheon, as the main galaxy, which raises some really interesting myst- uh, mystical questions. And we know from the Mortis arc of Clone Wars that it exists outside of normal space. They just kind of wake up from it. And so yeah. what I'm thinking is, in following Balin, you know, there's that art I posted that 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 art that Felonia posted in 2019, which they were on that snowy mountain pass, which has now, aha, okay, you are going to use mm-hmm. that. I think uh, our ladies are going to follow Balin, and somehow I think the whole crew, maybe Shintu, the whole Peridia crew, ends up on Mortis in live action. Crazy, uh, yeah. And when they come out of it, they're back in the main galaxy. I don't think there's going to be travel. I think it's going it's, to be a yeah, Mortis, Mortis exists outside of all of them. Every and it's galaxy connected to the world between worlds as well. The Mortis gods. gods, yeah, the Mortis gods were how we were introduced to the world between worlds. And I think, given that Anakin showed up there, because it's very purposeful, I feel Dave, Dave putting that scene with him and Ahsoka in the world between worlds specifically, sh- using that iconography. I kind mm-hmm. of feel like if they do go full Mortis with these events, I feel like Anakin will still be involved. I feel like Anakin will find a way to manifest there. Well, he has connections he is, with yeah. the father, right? Or is he was supposed to take the father's place. He, he could be the basically father. the new father, in a sense. And I, and I feel I like think... maybe 
Ahsoka is clearly there to do to accomplish something, whether it's to defeat Balin. And the fact that Morai or... can appear yep. in another galaxy without yeah. having traveled there. Like things like that. It's... I think I think setting foot on Mortis yeah. puts you in a different place. And then like if let's say they land the T6 on Mortis in season two, when they take off, it's like th they could they could be like, oh shit, it's Coruscant. Like it, it, it's mm -hmm. such a it, much like the wellspring of life too like there are those places that are of the spirit and of the mind but also are as physical as they need to be which is the great thing about star wars that it's always as physical as it needs to be like can it's like the did did uh did ezra save ahsoka or was ahsoka always saved the both are true uh yeah. you know from from malachor like it happened because it always happened it's a fixed and point. I, and I might just be saying this because I just, I have this specific fan thing that I would just love to see. I almost wonder if this is like Ahsoka, this is essentially Ahsoka's great trial. This is like mm -hmm. the final, Ooh. the mirror in a sense that she needs to kind of go through similar to what Anakin had to kind of, because I kind of feel like, as we talked about before, Andrew, in our previous episode, I feel like there's a lot of OG 03 Clone Wars <laughs> that is still canon to like the overall story. I feel like Ezra... As I said in that episode, Ezra doing the Force Foo was kind of like a nice little yeah. callback to Mace Windu because he's part of that uh, Padawan master lineage. But I feel like this could be Ahsoka's big trial. Oh, like a his, like the Nelvan arc. Like, yeah, and I feel like mm. I feel like if she overcomes this, we could potentially like if Anakin shows up, like helps her with this, and then he knights her officially. If I like see if I see roided up nodies, I'm like. In the Nelvon oh. arc, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab something relevant to this. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like I, 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 if Anakin, you've got Anakin saying, "Oh, by the by the right of the council, by the will," because he's a council member. He's on the council, even if yeah. he doesn't have the rank of master. You know, so he, it'd be such a joy getting to see him knight Ahsoka. That would be such a cool thing to All see. Right, I would like that. What All you right. know about? Hayden Christensen Nelvon Photoshop from the oh, yep. anniversary. Oh yeah. I I showed that same one off last episode. It's, it's one of so my good. favorite things. It's the so fact that they're just tight. like, uh, let's get a generic shirtless guy and put the blue tats yeah. on him. And then the, that arc changed my life. And then also just because we talked about him from the same line. Roran. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I showed off that Anakin last episode because I it's was like, I have to get this. Right. And then Absolutely right after right. the episode ended, I ordered the one from that same line of Yoda on the horse because uh, I needed it. Uh, Last thing but, I was going to say, though, about the Mortis yeah. God, actually, there is that female Mortis God in Legends that I've heard mentioned a bunch of times oh, that I almost kind of wonder if they're going <laughs> to find a way to... Abeloth. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they'll find a way to include Abeloth. I feel like there's there's ways to include that. I feel like there's... I mean, it's interesting, at least, the potential of it, are like Abeloth, and I know some people, lots of people want... Star Killer to somehow show up, so like maybe you do a thing where he's representative of like the sun or whatever, because or you could just get Sam Witwer back and have him play the sun. Mm -hmm. I was almost I know, a certain, I know a certain dark Jedi that would really want uh Star Killer back because I had to, we had to hear about Force Unleashed for a half hour. Um, Christ. there's nothing compared to the Obi Wan tangent, the Obi Wan it thing, yeah, it was beautiful. She's uh, a flooding big life ever. I feel like we're gonna get in season two. We're gonna get like the most clear explanation or exploration, I should uh, I should say, of Ahsoka's connection to the daughter 
that we've had. Yes. Why yeah. Morai is following her, what that connection is, especially with the more spiritual weirdness of Peridia and having the Morris gods there. I think it's going to be a very, like a lot of what people like when they were pitching, what, what would an Obi-Wan season two be? And it would like the weirder aspects of mm -hmm. uh, him becoming a, or learning to become a forest ghost with Qui-Gon. I think we're going to see a lot of weird stuff like that with Ahsoka it. season two, because we that. got a lot of that weird stuff in live action that we've originally yeah. only seen in the animated stuff or in the novels and in the comics. We got that in live action here and it worked really well with the world between worlds, I would say overall. So now that we've gotten over that hump of, oh, how is this going to translate to live action? I think we can see some weirder stuff because I got to assume we're going to get one more season before the Filoni movie, just because it's, it, I feel like you, yeah. you can't tell that whole story in just one film because yeah. you're going to have to tell, how do you get off this galaxy or back in the main galaxy? And then the main throng conflict as well. And then Din's story and whoever else is going to be in that movie. There's going to be need, a lot there. You, you need, need to get more. a and I, and Sabine. They haven't said anything yet, but I feel like the only Disney Plus shows they've explicitly been like during its airing is, hey, this is this is coming back, are Loki and Bad Batch and Mandalorian, I guess. Everything else is in Andor. But that was announced as a two-season show beforehand. Everything else has been, yeah, might. It might not. Who knows? We'll see. And then we eventually get the announcements. Um, like Tales of the Jedi, we didn't know that was getting in Visions. We didn't know those were getting a season two until months until after. Yeah. yeah, so I think yeah. we will get some sort of announcement at some point because I just I yeah. think there's so many. It it does it does end in a way where Ahsoka's arc at this point seems a bit complete and she seems rather content with her place. But it, I don't see it as the end of her story, no. and I don't think it is in any way. No. Um, it just the, feels like the, this is a good ending yeah. for now, but the yeah, story The is final good. shot of Anakin, her finally being able to see Anakin, is great. It, it mirrors the, the final scene in Obi-Wan. It, it's just something about that final shot of a Force Ghost looking on on their old uh, Padawan or old uh, student is just so great. The look, of, the look of quiet pride in yep. his face. Just, it's such a mm -hmm. lovely parting shot of Hayden yeah. Christensen. And, and last thing I'll say about him is that I just love how both this and Obi-Wan have just revitalized Hayden Christensen. Like, you yeah. know, literally just today as we're making this recording, he's re-signed with his, with his old talent agencies, to, which seems to signify that he's going to, he wants to break back into acting beyond just Star Wars. And that's such a lovely thing to see him just re-energize his career, re-energized uh, by his return to star wars and just the 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 absolute love and adoration that you know he's got from look if somebody if somebody said alden here's i don't know however many millions of dollars we'll let you make one of those like star wars special presentations you get like 45 minutes to an hour what do you do i'm like get hayden back in the clone wars armor and get me ahmed best what if anakin skywalker and kellerin beck had a mission in between, in between seasons, like my and, and if it's animated, I, I I would love to see. I think I've said this on Twitter. Like we've done such a good job of like, hey, these people were also in that era, and you just didn't know them. Like Jaro to Paul, mm -hmm. I would love to see Jaro, Balin Skull, Keller and Beck. Give me everybody of the era that was introduced too late to be in Clone Wars. 
I yeah. just found out like earlier, like Thriller. just earlier this month, that like Jared Tapal is voiced by Travis Willingham from Critical yes. Role. And that just made and my day. Jared Tapal has an, uh, a cameo as well as Cal, an unnamed cameo mm-hmm. in Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Yep. Exactly. It's yeah, like, like a master Jared Tapal and a redhead kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like so He's just talking to like Anakin about you know oh there was this one time I headbutted a giant in the face because he he broke my cask of ale. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a deep cut critical role joke. Yeah, it's 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 yeah it's nuts. Yeah, but yeah. I think somehow this is I think where we can wrap it up. Um, but you you joke, but like we really could do yeah. a part two, and I would we I would do a part love to join you. So I let me know. Yeah. So I think I think we're going to at some point. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do it immediately, but there's still so much more to talk about just in terms of the characters, in terms of what the show sets up, in terms of what's next for this era of Star Wars leading into Filoni's film. There's so many different ways you can take it, and I think that's the beauty of not well, I, I guess the, the uniqueness of doing coverage for a show well after it's aired when you couldn't cover it weekly, like we did with every other Star Wars show since we started doing the podcast. Uh, and we're, I enjoyed looking back on it, and yeah. there's definitely some things thing that is, you know, yeah, it's probably a good thing we didn't like, uh, we didn't cover it. We might, it's probably good that we didn't at least cover chapter five because it would have just been like. 40 oh, minutes no. of you and me, it of you and me kind of going like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been the equivalent of when we covered part five of Kenobi with the the, yeah. uh, the flashback at the beginning. It would have been the equivalent of that. Um, it's like Connor going, was... okay, okay. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's so much. And even stuff that I loved beforehand, just talking about it again. Because I haven't been able to talk about this show with my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I'm like, I like stuff a lot more now. No, I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, this was great. And uh, thank you guys for joining us uh, as we we talked. Uh, barely scratched the surface in a way about Ahsoka uh, season yeah. one. But, but Over thank you for two hours us. and 15 minutes and we didn't scratch the surface. And it's it's true. It's, it's true. It's true. It's Sabine's uh, like, rivalry with that, with that mug. You know, like, you just know when the... You just know when the show ended, like, and she learned how to use the force. She went, she got back into the into that ship and just stared it down and went, right, it's round two, mm-hmm. bitch. We didn't talk about how the show out of nowhere was like, yeah, here's Ryder Azadi and Jai Kel. Well. <laughs> yeah. Like, just like, just kind yeah. of. <laughs> but they cock tease us because Ryder is Clancy Brown, but Jai, uh, Jai Kel isn't Dante Bosco. And I'm like, you had one job. It's the truth. It's uh, very I, funny. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. the truth serum, dude, isn't it? From uh, from uh, Deadpool two, I think. It no, is. From, uh, the Wasp. Yeah, yeah, he is yeah. truth serum. Yeah, I think uh, I think Clancy uh, Brown Thomas. is. I think he broke the record of most different character, like it's individual six characters. At this point, I want to say he's Ryder. He's Blurg from Mandalorian. He's Savage. Yeah. He's, he's the Inquisitor. unnamed yeah, Crowface Inquisitor. He is uh god there's there's another one that's like right there. It's another voice one. So he plays if we're counting everything, he plays Montross in Star Wars Bounty Hunter. He does then play Montross, yes. Savage, then he's Ryder, then he is Berg, then he's that Inquisitor, then he's Ryder again. So it's five, I guess. Yeah. Damn, he's, he's also he's... been a stormtrooper commander in Rebels as well. 
and he was a Mandalorian super commando uh, in Clone Wars. He was another bounty hunter in Clone Wars. That's just a random human. My man He's will ever- stay employed. Yeah, and yeah. we didn't even bring up the fact that Ray Stevenson was Gar Saxon. Like, yeah, I I tend yeah. to forget that. Yeah, there's exactly. now two awesome characters in, just in brought this that fantastic presence because yep. like yeah like that you just brought you, he got to bring such a great voice acting role with Gar Saxon a villain who was almost just like you I almost wish we had more of him uh, mm-hmm. Gar Saxon because he was mm-hmm. so delightfully like mean yeah and he got to bring like the physical prowess as well like like I said he moves like a like a knight he, I love the way he held the lightsaber like, it's such board. a like it's all the yeah. way up and then it's just oh it's just heavy to yeah. swing and yeah, yeah. Oh, like he great. felt imposing yeah. and it was it was it's something really special to be able to do that as an actor to bring some another emotion. conversation we can have yeah. when we do a second part like I'm literally other, getting carried away yeah. it, it's <laughs> other rebels characters that we didn't yeah. get to see here that we could potentially see down the line in the Mandoverse yeah in the Melch Melch. Yep. <laughs> yes. As Morrigan. Yes. No. No. Where's my, no. Where's my ugly I'm boy as Morrigan? Turn the show oh, off right now. <laughs> we just we just we need more as Morrigan. We need him to come and like barter with Boba Fett in Book of Bo- Boba Fett season two. That I would, would be lose fun. my mind. And that would be All the right. show to do it too. Boba Fett. I'm turning the show off right now. All right, so. <laughs> I, yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna end it here just because we are we are yeah. approaching the two and a half hour mark. But uh, Alden, yeah. thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you. It, it, it's been a long time coming. I we we started. I I mentioned you uh, messaged you before the SAG stuff, and then uh, we went on a hiatus. And now yeah. now that the strikes are over and the actors have rightfully uh, gotten the deal that they deserve, and uh, you're finally here with us, and it was great to talk Ahsoka with you. Uh, we're the people probably already know you, but where can the people find you? Yeah, you can follow me right there. If you're watching on YouTube, it's at that Alden Diaz. That's on all your platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Hive, Threads, all those things. Uh, Octo Radio, my Star Wars podcast, took the break for the strikes and then an extra month while I was launching my other show. Now that I have Anytime with Ken and Alden, me and Ken Napsok from Force Center. And you'll remember him from back in the day when, you know, YouTube panel shows were good. Um, we're doing, yeah. you know, our, our talk show, our radio show on Fridays midday. But Octa Radio is coming back. Um, some guests that I am aggressively trying to book. Uh, some are people we've talked about today. So just uh, stay nice. tuned for that. All right. Awesome. Connor, as for you, uh, where can the people find you? Billy's yeah. legend Bryce Harper. Yeah, yeah. You see, I love him. Um, you can find me. Tr- you can find me basically killing myself every Sunday or Monday night with the Eagles. Um, <laughs> on Twitter at Depa Banana, Instagram, Threads, uh, whatever those all those sites. I'm on there. Basically, it's the same two usernames. Uh Oh, uh, co-host over at the Nerd Academy podcast with um, Jared the Dark Jedi, our Star Wars show, Knights of the Nerd Republic. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. You can find us on um, uh, what, what's, what freaking sites? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that fun stuff. We have a website, www.nerdacademypodcast.com. Just Google us. It'll be the first thing that pops up. Um, and I also co-host and co-write Star Wars trivia questions with Eli from Star Wars in the Galaxy. Uh, we run a trivia league called Star Wars in the Galaxy Epic Confrontations. You can find that on the Star. You can find all of our 
matches, new and old ones on the uh, Star Wars in a Galaxy podcast YouTube channel. Uh, and then SWEditorIG.com slash fiction. The site's down for maintenance. We have stories out. Um, I have some in development, all of which are, well, yeah, all of which include Cal, one of which is like a Cal Sears story that I'm really happy with, another one that I'm really happy with that I will not really say much about. Uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. I, My guy's a little does. under the weather this week, but, but he'll be back. Same. Kicking. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, Don, for you. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead, where as I, I tweet a lot about Star Wars and, and Marvel and stuff. I, I obviously took a massive break during the strikes, uh, you know, go sack after a WGA. So glad that they uh, settled and got that they got a deal that they are ha- that they are happy with. Uh, it was it's really it's really good. But you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead. Uh, I did a, re- I, as I said earlier, I did like a recent like massive thread about Hu Yang to celebrate just, you know, how much I love that character and how well I felt the show translated him. You know, uh, I'll be retweeting it after the after we finish recording. Um, you can also find me on TikTok at Donovan McComish, Instagram at Donovan underscore McComish, and threads Donovan underscore McComish. I'm also on Blue Sky at Donovan McComish dot Sky dot social. If you've been hit with an invite there, uh, look me up. Uh, and uh, like Connor, I'm also a question writer on star wars epic confrontations uh it's really fun you know come and check it out it's really fun to watch like uh different star wars personalities go head to head and like try and decipher our ever puzzling trivia uh you can also find me like yeah it's more fun for alden when he wins it's less fun for me when i lose in crushing fashion <laughs> yeah. you could also find me uh on oh, <laughs> Yeah, Alden's going full dark side. Dude, the it's just Alden, a fact. The it's not it's not rivalry is the greatest rivalry like pretty much ever. It's like it's Yankees, Red Sox, Eagles, Cowboys. It's so good. Where's the lie? I tell you, where's the lie? But um, folks, you can also you there's can also a lot me. of stuff <laughs> that no one sees that I see in a private group chat I have with them. That it's just it takes it up to a ten. <laughs> where's the lie? Uh, uh, you can also find me yeah. on uh, sweditorig.com. Like Connor said, the site is currently down for maintenance. Uh, I, I write articles and stories on there. I've written one story that came out uh, last year called Scars of War that follows a clone survivor of Order 66 known as Blister who encounters a character who I kind of imported over from Legends, uh, Plo Koon's niece, uh, the Jedi Sharkoon, who also in my version of events has survived Order 66. So, if, and it's all about them reconnecting and dealing with the shared trauma that they have for of mm. going through such an event like that. So, if you like Star Wars and Pain, then definitely check it out. Also, just, I I just fun. Blister is an excellent clone name. Um, thanks, name. man. The there are armor. certain words that are that, yeah. great too. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Jake, a friend of the yeah. podcast, former co-host, for design yeah. for helping me design that armor and doing an excellent cover art of of that story. I, I'm so grateful to you, buddy, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, as for myself, you can find me setting up my Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar after the stream because December first <laughs> yes. is tomorrow. Uh, you can also find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Starlight Andrew. Uh, you can follow the pod on Twitter at For the Repub Pod and on Instagram and uh, TikTok at For the Republic Pod. 
uh, YouTube for the public podcast. Give us a subscribe there. Uh, also, you can find us on any uh, podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Uh, and big announcement coming from me on my end, hopefully by next episode. But I'm very excited uh, to talk about what I have been working on on my end. Uh, next time you see us here, we are going to be dipping back into our Clone Wars rewatch after so goddamn long. We are finally talking season two, Holocron High Stark. I am so excited to get back to Andrew, what we started here. We're home. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, remember to vote for the archives poll when the episode drops. Uh, thanks once again to Alden for joining us. And until next time, once again, may the force be with you. Always.